This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. Time for your host, JPC. Talk about childhood to travel to film and TV. Jokes, science, even weird news. Delivered from all of us to all of you. No topic is too small. Here on your weekly Paul and All. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paul and All. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey, and I'm joined by a great person joining us once again. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself, sir. Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Zane, the quote-unquote powerhouse of podcasting for the Clock Shelves Podcast Network, back again to finish what we started. That's right. It is the 2019 in-film wrap-up and... So yeah, so anybody who may not have necessarily heard the previous episodes, of course they are available in the archives, clockshelves.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. Beginning of last year, being 2019, I spoke with actually our friend Liam to kind of get his thoughts of the films that would be coming out in the year and then halfway through the year, uh, seeing as you're somebody, Kev, who goes and sees I'd say almost every film or most films that yeah. come out. Uh, I figured somebody you, who actually goes and watches them. Yeah, I figured you, you talk to me. <laughs> I figured you would be the the one to uh, kind of go through and you know, because I, I, I mean, you know, just from conversations we've had, I enjoy hearing your feedback, and I definitely think other people would too. Anybody who follows your Twitter feed knows that you go and see these movies, and you know, you have. Uh, the various opinions on them and being somebody who goes and sees a lot, you're somebody whose opinion I value. So obviously, you know, here at the beginning of 2020, figured might as well, as you said, finish uh, what we started. And as I said six months ago, this has become sort of my outlet because I don't take the time to sit there and tweet my thoughts about uh, the vast majority of movies that I see, uh, even when I have strong opinions one way or the other. Um so this is this is good for me to just look back and, and kind of get everything out there and uh, be my verbal dumping ground, if you will. And just as I said six months ago, and I actually said it to you right before we started, several of these I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, I had a not so great second half of 2019. Obviously, we're not going to talk about that because that's not what this is about right now. Um, but there are several films that it's actually I went looking a little bit through the list and I saw more than I thought I saw. I don't think it was more than five, but I had the feeling it was only like two. It might be like three or four. Um, there are a few that I still haven't seen yet. I want to see, and I feel like, um, within the next few days to a week might be the last chance that I would have to see them until they come to, you know, a Netflix or whatever streaming service, because it is almost the end of January now. So pretty much if I don't get out and see them soon, I got to wait probably another six months before they're on something other than, you know, HBO or whatever. Yeah, and as I uh, said back in July, I saw about uh, 40 movies up to that point, maybe a couple more. Uh, I kept that same energy in the second half of the year, and I was right around that same number, right around 40 to 45. So uh, you said you actually went back and listened to uh, that last time. So we left off right around the beginning of July. So we did talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. 
uh, Midsommar. I have the Wikipedia list right in front of me here. Um, Stuber. Did we do Crawl, Point Blank, The Farewell, and Darlin, which would have been the same week that Stuber came out? We did not. Uh, Crawl. I actually went to see Crawl. Uh, just, it was one of those that was just on a whim and I didn't, I didn't hate myself for it. Put it that way. It's, is that the the alligators in the basement? Yep. Yep. Okay. I remember seeing previews for it and going, okay. (laughs) It's one of those movies that I went in literally knowing nothing about. Like I saw it had a, a certain Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, I had nothing to do. And I just go to the theater, I sit my ass down, and, uh, you know, usually I enjoy it. I mean, And that was the case with this. You okay. know, I, just, I didn't feel like I wasted the 90 minutes or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to recommend it to anybody. Uh, I'll probably never watch it again, but it was a good waste of time. <laughs> um, so the week after that, we had Lion King which I'm going to tell you, and I think I said this the last time, I'm kind of anti these uh, Disney live-action things. If I saw them, Same. I saw them, but I I mean, I was still young, but like I remember, I may have said this story the last time, but um, you know, I used to go around my house when I was a real, real little kid, you know, literally quoting lines and singing songs from your beauty and the beasts and Aladdin's and lion Kings and all that, because that was my childhood. I mean, I was prime age for that stuff, you know, born in the nineties. Like, so I was Mm -hmm. prime age for that stuff. So it's weird. And it's not live action, especially lion King. Like I could, I could forgive them, I guess for Aladdin, but like lion (laughs) King, not live action, no matter what they want to say. And I don't know. So I just I know a lot of people who saw it said that it was really good. They said it's not exactly like the original, but it's comparable. And but I'm just like, no, I heard it's kind of shot for shot, you know, line for line. The original. That's that's the impression I was under. Well, see, if that's the case, then I would just much rather watch the original if I'm being honest. Yeah. The the only thing I really heard about it, because I'm like you, I kind of just, you know, push these movies to the side, um, is that with animation, with true animation, uh, you can kind of uh, draw an expression on a lion's face that shows emotion uh, that cannot be portrayed with actual lions when you're trying to make it look like real animals. Uh, so that was a big drawback apparently of this Lion King reboot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, either way, I wasn't going. Right. Um, and I, I, I want to say uh, just since the time that we did the last one, obviously Disney plus has launched. And um, if anybody is a fan, just want to throw this out there. If anybody is a fan of kind of that, that era of Disney animated movies, the nineties, basically to early 2000s fantastic documentary on Disney plus uh, called waking sleeping beauty. I just watched it uh, about a week or two ago and um, it's basically, there's almost no new footage. It's just footage that like the animators filmed around that time. And that one of the guys does a new voiceover and it basically tells how 
believe it or not, a company, Disney, founded on animation. The animators got kicked off of the Disney lot, came up with most of those movies, and that got them back in the good graces of uh, Michael Eisner when he was in charge. If you're a documentary person, I'd recommend it. If you're a Disney Renaissance fan, I'd recommend it. And yeah, that's just my little uh, little plug there because I know you're going to go probably ham on this next one that I'm a little ashamed that I didn't see, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And also a movie called Skin came out the same week, but I don't even remember that and I'm sure no one else does either. Yeah, don't know anything about Skin. Know a lot about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Obviously, it was uh, I was very much looking forward to it. Big Quentin Tarantino fan. Uh, always have been. Um, I wasn't let down at all. Uh, I feel like you you need to watch this movie in a certain mind state. You, now, we beat to death the, the fact that I don't typically watch any sort of previews or trailers. I want to know as, as little about a movie as possible going into it. However, um, this is, as, as Quentin has been known to do recently, loosely based on uh, reality and, and things that really happened, uh, sometimes down to an exact detail. However, he takes it and puts his own spin on it and inserts his own fictional characters into the uh, history. So watching this movie, you really need that uh, that base knowledge, not need, but it, it would help immensely going in if you know at least what happened to Sharon Tate, because when when you know that, um, it really keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire time. And there's a payoff that (laughs) is hard to even put into words. And especially if you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin too much, but in, in this case, it's just one of those scenarios where you need a little bit of knowledge going in at least. Well, so, okay, so there's a podcast that I listen to where I actually, a few weeks ago, um, because I've been catching up on it, and they do kind of geek news, and they, you know, if a a genre piece comes out, they do a review on it, and they do a non-spoiler section, then a spoiler section, and I listened to it. I don't really remember much about it. The one thing I do know, though, and I know they talked about it, but I don't remember, but I know you could answer it for me. Tarantino's movies tend to fall within two camps. The one is they take place in the real world, and then the other is they are the movies that those real world characters would watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, Inglorious Bastards is like there's a theory out there that all the movies are, are connected in either this universe where it really happened or this universe which is the films that they would watch like for example kill bill is something that the characters of reservoir dogs would watch but like inglorious bastards actually happened and there's a theory that because of the alternate history ending of that movie that's why in a film like Reservoir Dogs, violence and this extreme violence is so common because people have been kind of desensitized to that. And so 
if you knowing that or believing that would this I cannot remember would this be in the the characters are would be watching this movie or this movie exists in the real world have you ever heard that theory first of all I want to ask that I haven't and uh, I know that there is a uh, documentary about Quentin that came out uh, just in this past six months or so I have haven't gotten around to seeing that it sounds like something that uh, they would have brought up in that documentary. Uh, have you seen that by any chance? I have not. No, I can't think of what it's called right now, but it's, it's on my list of things to watch. Uh, but anyway, this is very much uh, in the realm of uh, Inglorious Bastards, where it takes real-life events. Okay. You know, okay. It's not so much uh, fantastical. Right. Um, uh, next thing... Was, it was a Netflix thing, the Red Sea Diving Resort. No clue, personally. Nope. Um, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, A Score to Settle, and The Operative came out next. Uh, I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. Probably never will, just saying. That's my thing. And so, And because that movie came out this week, I personally don't remember hearing anything about the other two. <laughs> uh... I have seen a Fast and the Furious movie. It was the first one. It was on a bootleg and uh, never went back after that. It's just, It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be going into it 20 years ago or however long ago it was. Uh, I, it just never made me uh, want to come back to watch more. And I and like you at this point, um, I'm not going back and, and catching up on like 10 movies wherever they're at right now. Yeah, like, I mean, once I heard, I mean, thinking about it, if I remember correctly, that first one, they're stealing DVD players and TVs with backs on them. Like, that's how long ago the franchise started. And um, once I heard that at one point, I think it's The Rock, like, he's injured in in one of them and, like, he has a cast on and his daughter in the movie is just like, oh, Dad, you need to get back out there. And he's just like, but I have this cast on my arm. And then she's like, I believe in you. And he just, like, flexes and pops the cast off. When I heard that that happened, I'm like, nope, that's it. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm on record here saying that I will watch The Rock in anything. And it's that's true, but... At the same time, I'm not going out of my way to see the, any of these movies. Um, after that, we had Dora and the Lost City of Gold. The that kitchen. came out? Yeah, it came out uh, back in, what would this have been, August. Ooh, Beginning okay. of August. Um, same week that was The Kitchen, The Art of Racing in the Rain, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. The Peanut Butter Falcon, After the Wedding, and Light of My Life. Believe it or not, I actually did see one of these movies, Kev. Can you take a guess as to which one? Um, did you venture out to see The Peanut Butter Falcon? No. No? Okay. Uh, then I, I have no idea. I went to see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Ah, Okay, how was how was that? Because that's another one of those that really doesn't register on my radar. Okay, well, I'm just going to tell you, that was a, hey, there's not really anything else to see, but it's a <laughs> it's date night, so let's go see something. That's, uh, that's kind of what that was. And I 
I don't really remember the book. It's based on a book. I don't really remember the book. I guess a lot of people... I remember people getting hyped when it was, like, announced. Um, it was okay until the last, like, five to ten minutes. So I mentioned that podcast before that I talked... Uh, that I listened to. It's an Australian podcast, actually. I've probably mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. um, but they do... At the end of every year, they do, like their version of awards you know and so one of them that they give is called the game is on and i don't know if i've talked to you about this before or mentioned it on the podcast in general but basically it's the lamest attempt to set up a sequel that will probably never happen because okay. the movie doesn't necessarily perform that well but it's like them tr like the the film trying to be like oh but you know we we set it up and whatever so at the end of this movie um basically some of the the kids like disappear like these these stories are being written or they were written or whatever um and some of the kids disappear but then some of them don't and then they rescue the one from back in time or whatever and then um, basically at the very end, they're just like, well, if I, the, the one girl goes, well, if I can get rescued, I think our other friends are out there too. And now it's not just me. And then the camera, they're like in a van and the camera moves over and there's like two more of them that like, you've kind of forgot were even in the movie. And then they're just like, and we're going to go in search of our friends. And then the van just like drives off and I'm there. And there was me, the person I was with and like two other people. And I just go, Oh, come on. <laughs> and that's how it ends. That's how it ends. Yeah. Basically they're like, if we could survive, maybe our friends survived too. And we're going to find out. And then the van just like drives off and that's the end of the movie. I, I, and I don't recall that movie being uh, much of a success. So No, not really. <laughs> yeah, I doubt we'll ever see that. Um, did you happen to see any of the other ones that came out? That uh, There was one you mentioned. Uh, oh, the one I guessed was uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. I did see that. Really enjoyed it, actually. Um, it, it, it was kind of a throwback feel. It's, it's not a movie you see get made. Often nowadays, it's uh, maybe a, a early to mid 2000s, late 90s type indie movie feel um, that ends up being kind of this feel good story about someone who's been down on their luck, you know, and it just random cameos from professional wrestlers like Mick Foley and uh, Jake the Snake Roberts show up at, at some point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> uh, it's it's a good family movie, too. Like, if you wanted to take your, you know, I'd say 8 to 12-year-old kid to see something, this is one of those re really good movies that falls right in line there. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, the next week had The Angry Birds Movie 2 and Blinded by the Light. Um, I'm going to pretend you didn't even say the words angry birds and go right to blinded by the light. Which... Well, okay. So wait, I gotta, I gotta say this before you, the, one of the, the YouTubers that I follow has a cameo, like a voice cameo in that movie. And so literally, and it was in the commercials, it's David Dobrik, a YouTuber. Um, and literally all his character does is 
turn his hat around to face the opposite way and go, oh, it's on. So, like, he started, like, making merch with all of that on it. And, like, they rented out, like, he showed it in one of his videos. They rented out a whole theater the weekend that that came out. And, like, they watched the movie. And then the moment that his line happened, they set off, like, all sorts of confetti and, like, all sorts. You know, they were all throwing their popcorn and whatever. And they had just a giant party in the theater for the rest of it, just, like, him and a bunch of his friends. And literally that was the only reason was just so that they could go to see his line which is already in all the trailers and yeah that's literally the only thing that i know about that movie <laughs> so let me get this straight because that <laughs> i gotta process this you said this is a youtuber that you follow yes like you you watch his videos. yes okay and you're watching that instead of watching these movies yes <sighs> Here are some of the other types of things that he does on his YouTube channel. I don't know if you know who he is or not, but he... I've had, heard the name, but I know nothing about it. He rents out, sometimes, he'll rent out uh, a moving truck and put a bunch of water or snow or whatever in the back of it. He'll hop on the back of that, like the little uh, the thing that's in there, and film while all of his friends are in bathing suits or whatever just getting tossed around as the truck just drives around with water or snow or whatever in the back of it so that's the kind of stuff that he does and i find it funny (laughs) he bets his friends hey i'll give you ten dollars if at some point within the next week i and you don't you won't know when but i can shoot you with a paintball gun and he flies to hawaii because he's not allowed to leave the country because he's uh, a daca kid actually um so he flies to Hawaii, he flies to New York or Boston or whatever. The the one one of their friends who also does videos, uh, he does music and he went out on tour and literally they came off the stage and he was waiting in the dressing room just to shoot him with a paintball gun. Because he gave him $10 and he said, I'll give you $10 if within the next week you let me shoot you with a paintball gun. <laughs> <sighs> So his blinded by are, the light. His videos are all four <laughs> minutes and 20 seconds, if that makes any sort of difference. Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense to me, actually. <laughs> blinded uh, by the light. Yes. Uh, now, as a Jersey boy, uh, this resonated with me big time. This was one of the most uh, emotional experiences I had in a theater all year long. Uh, I know that won't be the case for everybody. Because um, just seeing the uh, story of someone who is discriminated against and finds power through the music of Bruce Springsteen uh, really tugs at my heartstrings personally. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, but it's a good movie. It's got a good message and it's it's actually based on actual events. Apparently. (laughs) Well, I did. I got to say, I didn't know much about this movie. Like, I still don't necessarily know a lot about it. I know. uh, I feel like around that time, people were comparing it to kind of half to Rocket Man and the the Queen movie, but half to Yesterday. Yeah. The Beatles inspired movie. Would you say that that it falls kind of in the realm of both of those types of things? 
I not the uh, not Rocket Man or or Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, it has musical moments uh, in the way that Rocket Man does, where the music just kind of takes over and they actually flash the lyrics up on the screen. Um, someone like me knows all the lyrics, but I guess it would help people who aren't uh, that familiar with the music. Uh, it's it's really kind of in your face with it, but I, I don't know what else you would expect going into something like this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, after that was Good Boys, Where Do You Go, Bernadette, 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, and Gwen. I got uh, <laughs> uh Still haven't gotten to Where'd You Go, Bernadette yet. Um, that's been nominated for some awards, so I did want to uh, check that out. Haven't gotten to it yet. I did see 47 Meters Down. Uh, not my choice. I take my nieces and nephews out for their birthdays, and typically it's like whatever you guys want to do. You want to go shopping, you want to go to the mall, you want to uh, go to a movie, you want to go eat somewhere, whatever. And uh, this was my nephew's choice. He wanted to see 47 Meters Down Uncaged. And uh, it wasn't offensive. Uh, it, <laughs> it um, I hadn't seen the first one, so I really... Wasn't sure what to expect at all, aside from, you know, oh, it's a shark movie. Uh, well, these these movies are basically modern-day Jaws, right? Yeah, 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 you, you could say that. Uh, next up, only, only one on the week of the 21st, at least according to Wikipedia, which would be Ready or Not. No. Uh, I wanted a lot more from this movie. Yeah, I, I really thought it was going to be more uh, suspenseful and and have a, a good story behind it. And to to be honest, I've forgotten almost everything about it. So you were ready and they were not, huh? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, after that is Angel Has Fallen, Brittany Runs a Marathon, Overcomer, Jacob's Ladder, and burn the, i'm assuming angel has fallen is part of the whole the like olympus has fallen and all that i believe so and it's another one of those ones that i just don't pay any attention to uh Brittany runs a marathon um still meaning to get to that one okay. haven't gotten there yet let see when they put it out on uh, streaming services and stuff um I'm actually less likely to watch it. I'm more likely to go see it if it's it has a nice long run in the theater. Right. Uh, let's see. Official Secrets, Don't Let Go, Itsy Bitsy, and The Fanatic are going to round out the month of August. Got nothing on that one. Yes. Any of those. I don't even remember hearing any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to, uh, I guess we, we kind of skipped over Good Boys. Um, it was probably top five funniest movies of the year. Like, it's it's just has that. We, we briefly talked about it uh, when we were previewing movies for the rest of the year uh, last the, time. That's the kids one where it's like people, I'm, if, I, if that's the one I'm thinking, I remember seeing a preview for it where the person I was with was like, they're letting their kids be in a movie like this. 
Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and they actually did put out a, another preview where it's like Seth Rogen sitting there talking to the kids, being like, "Yeah, we can't let you watch the movie. We know you were in the movie and you you, you play the main characters, but we can't let you watch it." Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I actually I think I saw that actually the preview. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and it's accurate. It's just it's a bunch of filthy nonsense. Uh, like just picture an an American Pie type movie, but with kids even younger. Uh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be offended by anything. So, uh, I just found it funny. And that's the th- I remember seeing it, like the previews going, oh yeah, I'd watch that. And now I probably could if I wanted to. There you go. Um, uh, so let's see. Starting in September, It Chapter 2 and Satanic Panic both came out on the 6th. And then the obituary of Tunde Johnson came out on the eighth. I'm although I saw Pet Cemetery, and I believe we talked about that the last time. Not necessarily the biggest Stephen King fan, and I know this is going to sound crazy, especially for somebody my age. Never saw the original It. No desire to see the the modern day It either. The modern day It is worth watching. Uh, the first one was really good. And I personally really enjoyed Chapter 2 as well. Uh, I think the casting of the child characters to the adult characters was uh, amazing. It was so spot on. Uh, There were certain subjects that were tackled uh, that the, the, the characters go through that were probably not needed for a movie about a ridiculous killer clown. Like, it gets kind of heavy at points, and I know they're taking that from the book, but it's probably, for for what ended up being a damn near three-hour movie, probably could have left some of that stuff on the cutting room floor. And uh, I really thought, like, when I first watched it, uh, it was emotional in a way that you wouldn't expect it to be, and the story is, is crazy, but... What else are you expecting uh, about a movie about this clown? <laughs> People who who thought it was way too out there. Uh, That's I, kind of the point. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Exactly. And what you really had to look at was just a lot of the visual effects and the performances. And I thought that was all done extremely well, right on par with uh, the chapter one. Um, so I, I, I didn't know what people were expecting. I was extremely pleased with it. Chapter two. And apparently I was in the minority on that one. Uh, after that is the goldfinch hustlers, the sound of silence, monos and Netflix movie, tall girl. I have I've heard of the Goldfinch, not quite sure what it is. I know I heard of Hustlers and that tall girl only because one of the girls from Girl Meets World, the Boy Meets World sequel series, was in it. But I still haven't watched the movie yet. <laughs> uh, the big one here, obviously, is Hustlers. Um, again, uh, some great performances. Uh, J-Lo has uh, earned uh, all of the acclaim that she's received uh, and not just for her physical performance, although that was incredible as well. 
Constance Wu plays a, a great part. And again, here's another one which I, I try to stay away from movies based on actual events, but uh, with award season being what it is and me wanting to really uh, follow uh, all the movies that are going to get nominated kind of makes it difficult a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, w- w- worth your time. Worth your time, definitely. Uh, very interesting. I mean, just looking at the cast, Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez, Julia Stiles, Kiki Palmer, Lily Reinhardt, Lizzo and Cardi B, I could kind of live without, but that's the cast that like it lives right here. They're just minor cameos. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, and I've I've heard I don't know anything about the story, but I've heard like a lot of good things, and like you said, a lot of them like had really good performances. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You get uh, they make entire movies based upon uh, articles, essentially. Like they, they wrote up just this, you know, long piece for whatever magazine and you see it again with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood later in the year. Uh, it's really they just take that and turn it in, turn that story into an entire movie. It's not even based off a book. It's just an article that some journalist wrote. Wow. Yeah. Um, OK, so we have Polaroid, Ad Astra, Downton Abbey. Rambo, Last Blood, Bloodline, and Running with the Devil. <laughs> you said that Rambo was going to get you out of the house and into the theater. Did that happen? No. <laughs> no, it did not. Uh, I, I don't think you missed out on anything because, honestly, I I thought there was only like two other Rambo movies. And it turns out there were like four. Four, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I made the the decision that I was not going to even attempt to rewatch four movies before going to see this one. So it knocked it down a few pegs, and I just never got to it, and probably never will. I don't know if I if if I I think I mentioned it with um, Escape Room in the first one. Uh, my local theater does giveaways on their Facebook mm-hmm. page. Mm-hmm. Did I did I say about the fact that my mother got a Rambo based thing? <laughs> no, she you said, did. She, you said the escape room prize pack. She yeah. also won the Rambo. She prize got the pack? Rambo one too. Yeah, she got a shirt that says Rambo Last Blood on it. She got a pen that's also a light. That's also like two or three other things. I think there's a compass in it. You know, um, <laughs> did it I, have an old Rambo action figure? I don't think so, because that would be something I was I, I'd be interested in because I had them as a child and I lived for nostalgia like that. I also had a big Rambo electronic bazooka, electronic bazooka water gun. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it looked like Rambo's gun. It looked like the big long gun that Rambo carries in the in the movies from the eighties, except it was a water gun. Interesting. Yeah, I wish I could get that back. Actually, now I'm going to go on eBay right now and look it up. <laughs> um, I got I, I, I now I don't know what else, what else is in there. If I could, if I could find the stuff and remember, um, I'll try to take a picture and put it up around the time this episode goes out. But yeah, I remember she got that, and I asked her. I said, "Are you going to go?" Because I'm pretty sure she had seen 
the Rambo movies. I know the way that I got introduced to Rambo was through watching some of them with my dad. So I'm sure that she had seen them. But I'm like, are you going to like go and actually see it? She's like, probably not. Ad <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Astra, you mentioned as well, it is a trippy movie. Um, <sighs> great performance by Brad Pitt. But I can't recommend this movie to anybody. It's just wild and drawn out and the the whole premise of it is ridiculous yeah i heard it was like uh it was it it had the potential to be good but it kind of fell flat in some of the important parts yeah for sure it's 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 an astronaut working out his daddy issues yeah that's and uh the only way i could describe it the only other one here that i like kind of jumps out is Downton Abbey. I never watched that show, so I had absolutely nothing when it came to the film. Did you ever watch the show? No. Okay. Uh, but there were a couple times where it was the only thing that was playing, and I was real close. I was real close to just diving in, but I didn't do it. I mean, I've heard good. Th- I think I tried watching it, and you know, I mean, you know me. I, I. I love England and like, you know, all thing, not all things, but most things like English or whatever. And I think I tried watching like the first five minutes, but I don't know what, what was going on. I just couldn't get into it, you know? And actually uh, I just finished a rewatch of how I met your mother recently. And there was like a, an episode or two where they were joking and there was like a similar show and they would like the, the jokes that they were having on this show on, the fictional show within the show was like, you know, so-and-so planted roses in the lily garden, you know? And like that, like, cause that's the kind of drama that, that, uh, Downton Abbey like overdoes basically. I, yeah. <laughs> You're not, this is not a good sell. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm just saying, but like, that's kind of how, but like people, I mean, people got into it. So, I mean, if that's your thing, go for it. And if, if somebody out there thinks, you know, it can convince us otherwise, you know, we'll tell you at the end how to get in touch with us. I'm, I'm feeling like I made the right decision skipping it. <laughs> um, Netflix movie called Fractured. Uh, another one called The Laundromat. There's Abominable. Judy and pray to round out uh, the month of September. Um, I feel like the laundromat is on my list. It may have been nominated for something. Uh, Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman. So probably. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Abominable. I will kind of wanted to see just cause I love Chloe Bennett, uh, but didn't get around to it. And Judy, I will watch at some point before the Oscars, but, uh, haven't seen it as of yet. Okay. Um, the first one listed in October, I know you're not necessarily a fan of this, uh, yeah. line, let's but I'm, what's that? I said, yep, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> Joker, Lucy in the sky, uh, Dolomite in the tall grass, low tide and wrinkles. The clown came out the first week but i'm pretty sure the only the top three that i listed are probably the only three that anybody talks about which are joker lucy in the sky and dolomite is my name yes and uh i guess we'll 
and talk about Joker a little bit here. I think this is one that I actually did share some tweets about uh, just because I, I felt strongly that it was not good and it is, you know, quite the opposite of a feel-good movie. And I really would like to hear a good explanation from some, somebody, anybody who would actually would want to rewatch this movie. Like, well, there's a girl that I know. Um, actually, the last time that we hung out, because we hung out uh, about a month ago, and I told mm-hmm. you that I'm friends with a girl who is a Patriots fan, because I knew that yes. you would approve. Um, she is a huge. I'm pretty sure she's rewatched the Joker at least two or three times since uh, it came out. I think she went at least twice to see it in the theaters. So I don't know. I haven't talked to her about it. I had zero desire to see it. I'm not. I like the the concept of DC. I don't think DC quite knows what they're doing in terms of films. So I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I do. I think you're in the minority of this one of being in the I don't like it camp. (sighs) Paul, first of all, run away from that girl. Second of all. Um, I'm kind of a hypocrite in in this respect, okay? Um, Because I did go see it twice. (laughs) However, (laughs) however, uh, that was only because I had to excuse myself during my first viewing and I apparently missed something very important that I wanted to see. Uh, So I had to go back. Dancing scene. No, okay. <laughs> no, and, and for all you crazy white people going out and doing that, stop. Uh, and the the second part was is the uh, company that I had. Uh, I really wanted to go and get the impression of one of my close friends who hadn't seen it yet, and it was going to be his first time seeing it, and. For all but that one scene that I missed seeing the first time around, uh, I was listening to a podcast in my ear. I may have been even listening to Paul and all. I can't Thank remember. Thank you. Put that on the <laughs> yeah. uh, as the tagline. <laughs> there's your. There's your. Uh, there's, I would rather listen to Paul and all any random episode of Paul and all than watch Joker again. And in fact, there's I my did Apple Podcasts so. review. <laughs> Yeah, so I was sitting there with, with my AirPods in and just just wanting to see his reaction was basically the only reason I went. And it's something to do. I mean, fair enough. Like I said, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people liked it, and I think it's just because maybe people... Because if I'm... Again, I didn't see it, so I don't know. But you're not supposed to identify with him, right? Because he's insane. But I think it's one of those things where people unfortunately identified with him. And I think I was just, I I was watching something the other day where they were talking about how, uh, there's, there's an actor who is like really well known for something. And whenever somebody comes up and they're like, Oh, I am that person. The actor is like, yeah, get away from me because that's not like who you want to be. Almost like when people are like, oh, I love like Walter White on Breaking Bad. And it's like, you're not supposed to love him. 
Like you're supposed to hate him because he's a bad guy, but people like just are are just so obsessed with him and whatever. And I mean, you know, good performance and all. I get that. Appreciate the the acting and the performance. But when you kind of idolize these bad guy characters, you're kind of missing the point of it. And I feel like that's what happened with with Joker. Yeah, there there was probably a lot of that, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from Joaquin Phoenix. He's one of my favorite actors, and it was and it was a great performance. It wasn't uh, the best Joker performance, I'll tell you that much. Um, and I'm not sure he should be getting all these awards that he's getting, but very I people, good. I, I think people were just like, "Well, he's better than the last one we got, Jared Leto." Well, that's not saying. I know I'm just I know that I'm just saying I think it's kind of and again I I don't necessarily have anything against it I actually like the film that I'm about to to say negative things about but it's kind of like when Batman Begins came out and it's like yeah but the previous one to compare it to was Batman and Robin you know what I mean so like yeah kind of almost anything would be better and I say that as someone who liked Batman and Robin (laughs) it has Batman and it has hockey what else could you want Oh, a lot. <laughs> um, but I, I do. I'm now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm remembering a lot of the things that I, I didn't like about it, and the fact that. Um, now, do you remember, uh, or if you saw Batman v Superman, um, at the beginning of that movie, during the opening credits, they had the the moment that. Bruce Wayne becomes Batman essentially uh, when his parents are murdered, right? And it's playing just over the opening credits. You see uh, Martha Wayne's pearls drop and the gunshot go off. Okay, mm-hmm. we've established this is it's like it's like Peter Parker being bit by the spider. Okay, we we don't need to see it again. This is what makes Batman Batman. That's why Marvel dropped that when they did the Tom Holland thing. And I agree with that. Like we know that that's a standard thing. Exactly. So my problem, one of my many problems with Joker is that you take this moment, which was relegated to the opening credits of the most recent Batman movie and make it your climax because you actually see it happen in the very last scene of Joker. We're past this. We didn't need a Joker origin story. They're really up until recently in the comics, there never was a Joker origin story. You don't need it. He's just out there. He's just this insane person. They make a point to say in the dark Knight for Heath Ledger's Joker, like all his clothes are custom made. We can't even, you know, track where he bought this. And he's just this crazy person. You, you, you don't see him as a kid growing up. You know, it's it's not necessary. Nobody needs it. Nobody wants it. Maybe some people want it. But, I don't know. But that's that's the thing. Like, that's the the beauty of that character. It's, I mean, you see that, like, in film all the time. And, and I mean, we're lost fans, so like we kind of get that whole I want the answers, but we also, being lost fans, we also understand sometimes you don't 
want the answers. Sometimes you don't like the answers that you get. And sometimes things are better left not knowing because then you could figure it out in your own mind or whatever. But that's, yeah, that's one of those things. And I mean, there's, there's various things about it where it's not, it's not important why or how it's just important. Like the how is not important. The now is important when it comes yeah. to that character. Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like if that's, if that's the end and I, I only know a little bit about it. Like I think the, yeah, like I think the Wayne family features in the movie, but I think it's more Thomas Wayne, right? Like Bruce, uh, yeah, Bruce would still obviously be a kid. I feel like this would kind of fall into Gotham territory where it's like, so, and again, I never watched Gotham either, so I don't know, but basically Jim Gordon in Gotham fought all of the villains while Bruce Wayne was a little kid. So does that mean that Bruce Wayne grows up and fights villains that are like 30 years older than him? Does that mean that in this Joker universe, Bruce Wayne is going to grow up and fight a whatever 20, 30 year old Joaquin Phoenix? Or does Joaquin Phoenix inspire somebody? And from what I understand, I guess that's part of the, the mystery of the ending or whatever. But it's like, I feel like, unfortunately, or fortunately for people who like the movie, they left it open for a sequel in that no, way. Yeah, I mean, we, all everything you just asked, we're going to find out, apparently, because they're making a sequel. And that's just a, a business move, I would say, more than anything, because it's the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time now. Yeah. And I, you can't, I mean, realistically, and you and I kind of come at it from the, the thing of, like, we like movies, but we're also intelligent enough and we also have a business savvy to know it's a business. They don't make films for charity. They don't make films just because some people like them or whatever. Because if that were the case, then then the, the, the Batman movies that Tim Burton started wouldn't have gone the way of, well, let's make them so that we could sell toys. They would have stayed kind of that darker Tim Burton kind of vibe you know what i mean like that's what it is same with and i know you're not a fan but star wars basically became let's see how many toys we could sell off of this story isn't necessarily that important you know (laughs) and and that's i mean it's unfortunate but that's what it is because anything movies in particular are a business it did well they're gonna make another one i get that but i i don't know if again i think I think it's one of those, you know, the the majority liked it, so it makes sense to do a sequel, but from a lot of the things that I heard and even just hearing you talk about it now, I'm still not sold on I want to see this movie. Yeah, and it, I assume Joaquin Phoenix will be back. Uh, I haven't heard anything of it, about him officially being signed on for it, but the, the even sadder fact of the matter is that they would just go on without him if he decided not to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's the, the crazy money grab part of it all. But can I just tell you that they pull the bait and switch in this movie where he has a girlfriend or you think he has a girlfriend. And then towards the end he goes to see her and she's like, who are you? You're in the wrong house. Get out of my house. Like, Oh no, she was never really there the entire time. Yeah, I heard that. 
I, if that's not the most fucking tropey bullshit of all time, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it, it lends to the essence of what's real, what's not, he's insane, is he not? Uh. Yeah, my, <laughs> my thoughts exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the other two that, I, again, I think other than the Joker that people would have been talking about that week would have been Lucy in the Sky and Dolomite is my name. I heard Dolomite is my Again, I didn't watch it. It's a Netflix one. But somebody that uh, that I listened to specifically said, why hasn't Eddie Murphy been doing this lately? <laughs> um, it was really uh, a fun movie. And again, here we go again, uh, based on actual events. Like apparently everything in this movie more or less actually happened, uh, and it's it's a good performance by Eddie. I'm not mad about him being snubbed uh, at the Oscars. Um, it wasn't that great, but yeah, this is the kind of stuff you want to see Eddie doing. Okay. The other Lucy in the Sky, I'm not familiar with at all. If you have any thoughts, feel free to share. I don't. It's by the guy who did uh, Fargo. And Legion. Oh, okay. Um, but that's Noah Holly. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really know much about. I just know and it has, uh, Natalie Portman, John Hamm, um, Zazy Beats. Is that how you pronounce? Yeah, it? yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I think so. Um, He's in Deadpool. So but this sounds something like I would want to see. It says it's loosely. Ba- I'm reading Wikipedia again. It's loosely based on astronaut Lisa Nowick's criminal activities around her romantic involvement with fellow astronaut William Oifelin. <laughs> There's like 17 uh-huh. vowels in this name, dude. I'm this sounds something like something I would want to see, honestly, and I don't know how I missed it. I don't know. Yeah. Um all right, let's see. After that, Little Monsters, which was a Hulu thing. Um, that's a Fred Savage, Howie Mandel movie. Okay. <laughs> that's it's a before your time, but it was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid. Uh, anyway, continue. Uh, after that, we have Gemini man, the Adams family, the King, Jexy, and then on Netflix, uh, El Camino, the breaking bad movie. Never watched Breaking Bad, so I skipped that. Uh, Adam's Family was another one of those where I was close a couple times, but decided against it just because the reviews weren't good, and it was, I believe it was, which made me really think it was a lot more geared towards children, uh, whereas I'm pretty sure the ones they made in the 90s were PG-13 and at least had some adult themes to them. Uh yeah, I flat out in Wikipedia it gives like the the list of genres. It says animation, family, comedy, horror. <laughs> Looking at the cast list though, uh Oscar Isaac, Charlize Theron, Chloe Grace Moretz, Finn Wolfhard, Nick Kroll, Snoop Dogg, Bette Midler, and Allison Janney all did voices in the Adams oh, family. I, I like that. <laughs> the <laughs> cast. Um if the story's not there though, then you know. What good is it? Um, you did say, what were the first two, I think? Gem- Gemini oh, Man. Yes. And that's, yeah. Uh, 
and then uh, Gemini Man, uh, Adam's Family, The King, Jexy, and then the Breaking Gemini Man decided to skip. That was like a hard pass for me. It was once I'll put it this way: once um, Spider-Man: Far From Home came out. And there were really no Marvel movies on the horizon for a while. I kind of loosened my stance about not being in the theater during the trailers. So I would end up inevitably seeing this Gemini Man trailer probably close to a dozen times. And uh, not that I needed to see it a dozen times. Once would have been enough for me to say, you know what? Uh, No. And then everything I heard once it actually came out kind of uh, confirmed that I had made a good decision in just avoiding it completely. Uh, Jexy, however, uh, again, one of those random things, but ended up being the my first date with my current girlfriend. So that will always have somewhat of a special spot in my heart. Okay. Try not to sound like too much of a softy here. Well, it is your turn. Yes. Time, uh, fair. So. fair. <laughs> but yeah, Jexy had uh, it, it had a few funny moments. It was it was dumb. It's not a good movie. I wouldn't recommend it. But a couple funny moments. Apparently, apparently that um, were given away in the trailer because she watched uh, the trailer before we went to see it, and a lot of the parts that I laughed at, she just had no effect on her whatsoever and i and i kind of asked her about it afterwards she's like oh no i i heard that or i saw that scene already it's like oh thank you for thank you for proving my point uh i didn't go and see gemini man um i remember seeing a i don't remember what it was in front of but i remember seeing a trailer probably more than one but i remember definitely seeing a trailer for it it might have even been before uh scary stories um and uh, the person I was with was like, oh, that would be fun to see. And I remember kind of making a mental note of that. That did not end up happening. Um, but I I mean, I'm kind of interested. And it's from my understanding, it's a different de-aging technology than what they did with like Samuel L. Jackson and um, uh, Clark Gregg and, mm-hmm. and a few others. So even though it's de-aging, which we had already seen by this point for the, the whole thing of a movie, it was a different kind of different way to go about it. I don't really know the, the technicalities of I what think, was I think different it's, about it. But it's uh, in how it was shot. It was like shot in some super high definition uh, that I they said you had to go to certain theaters to even really appreciate. Yeah, it was like a hundred and something frames per second or something like that. Like basically like so that you, you, it seems like you're in the room. with them. Yeah. Something like that. Well, yeah. Which I don't necessarily have a desire for that. Also, uh, I saw a thing on Reddit recently where it was like, it was a thing of, you know, what, what actor or actress in a movie makes you automatically not want to see them? And somebody said Will Smith because he's been playing Will Smith since 1996. <laughs> uh, I love Will though. I, I oh, can't, I can't. I mean, Will. yeah, 
that, that's that's but, somewhat true though. I, I don't know about '96. Like the, whenever that Ali movie came out, like he, he was he was all right as Ali. Um, but yeah, no, I I didn't necessarily like I said I if it had if I if it had been a hey let's go to the movies what's in I you know probably out of especially out of this list it probably would have been Gemini Man and I probably would have enjoyed it for what it was but probably would have forgotten it by the next day. I, again, I didn't see it, so I can't say that for sure, but it just seems like, especially like you said, having heard about it after the fact, it just seems like that kind of movie. And um, the Breaking Bad movie, I'm waiting to do a full um, rewatch of Breaking Bad. Actually, a few years ago, I because I got caught up in other things, I even stopped watching uh, Better Call Saul, and I'm deciding that, especially because they just announced that that series Were is you ending, meth? I'm going to wait. You what? said you got caught up in other things. Yeah, I I did. I I I kind of launched a podcast network oh, oh, and well. stuff. <laughs> I'm sure, sometimes um, you wish you were rather cooking meth. <laughs> um, money is probably better. Um, but uh, no. Um, Sign up for the Patreon. I'm waiting folks. to do a. F- <laughs> I'm waiting to do a full rewatch because I've only I only ever watched Breaking Bad through once. Didn't like it. I'm one of the few people who didn't like the show. And actually, our friend Jake, big fan of the show, and I've been trying for years to convince him to do a podcast series called Jaking Bad, where it's him and I kind of coming at it from two different perspectives of watching the show. And because then you get the spinoff of Better Call Paul, right? <laughs> I mean, it just it all fits. You know, like um, he can't he, he won't he won't sign up for it. So, you know, make sure that ever you and everybody listening to this kind of pressures him to do that. But basically, by this point, I'm just waiting because I know eventually I'm going to rewatch the series. So I'm just like, hey, I'll just finish Better Call Saul when I do that. And then I'll just watch this Breaking Bad movie because I saw the beginning. I saw it all the way up till the end. So I'm just like, eh, I don't need this because this is more either what happens right after or like kind of during and whatever. So it's like, if it's like a mid, like a mid cool kind of thing, I don't need to see it. It's just kind of like helps flesh out things, but it's not high priority for me right now. Maybe I'll send him a couple more, uh, accidental gifts, try and bribe him into it. Um, <laughs> uh, but you, you are um, the only person I'll say this, uh, before we move, move on. Uh, you're the only person I've ever heard who, watched it and didn't like it i've heard people like me who just have never bothered to watch it and i'm pretty sure i would enjoy it but i'm talking about breaking bad uh yeah yeah you're the only person i've ever heard of that actually just has apparently watched it and not enjoyed it well so i i watched it i feel like it was right after we got back from hawaii the first time I think it was partly inspired by like seeing Jake wearing the Heisenberg shirt and like talking with him about it and being like, Oh yeah, I never saw it. And you know, him and I think probably a few other people were like, Oh, you should, it's a good show, whatever. I was a big sons of anarchy fan. And at the time there was a lot of comparisons of, you know, cause it was all kind of outlaw and it was the bad guys are the good guys sort of thing. And so I may have been, prejudice in that way in that I liked Sons of Anarchy so I was like oh well another show that kind of does this eh, whatever and 
I don't know. I just, I, I remember watching it and just, you know, even it was, okay. You know, I don't necessarily like to keep watching something if by like the third or fourth episode, I'm not into it. Right. Right. Like that's kind of my thing. And I mean, other people are probably the same way as well. I, there was not a moment that I remember going, oh, I can't wait till the next episode until the end of season four. There were only five seasons. Gotcha. It wasn't until the end. And again, maybe it was, maybe I wasn't paying attention or something. I don't know what it was that caused me to not like it, but there wasn't a holy crap, what happens next moment until the end of season four. And in a five season show, that's not necessarily the best in my opinion. All right. Fair enough. We needed some hot takes on this show. <laughs> um, after that, we have Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Zombieland, Double Tap, Jojo Rabbit, The Lighthouse, and Wounds. And I actually left the house to go see Zombieland, Double oh, Tap. You did say that you were going to do that, and you did, and what would you think? I I actually liked it. I feel like a lot of people didn't. I liked it. Um, there was a, a fantastic uh, Uber joke in there. Um, did you mm-hmm. Did you watch it? Yeah. You watched yeah. it, right? Yeah. Okay. So you know the joke I'm talking about. Uh, it's. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I thought there was, you know, some some good twists, and it was. It, it felt like we never left that world yeah and when, when you consider that it was 10 years in between these movies uh that's that's definitely an accomplishment you bring back the original cast you know obviously add a few wrinkles here and there uh i i, I enjoyed it um it was just a lot of more of the same you know what i mean like it's I'm saying it like it's a good thing and then it's also a bad thing because they didn't they didn't necessarily turn it up a notch. Yeah, I mean, you know, new different types of zombies. I enjoyed that meeting a few new people. I enjoyed that, um, you know, the 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 hippie, you know, they, they needed a goal. You know, like the first one, it was getting to the amusement park or whatever. And this one, it was finding the girl and the, the hippie thing and whatever. And so, like, I get that. Um, one of the things that I that I liked is too often you find in even like The Walking Dead, which, again, I've, I haven't seen. I've seen like two episodes overall of mm-hmm. that show. But, like, from what I understand, almost any time they find anybody new, like, a new group of people, they're, like, automatically suspicious of them. Whereas in this, it's like they find new, except for the two that are extremely similar to them, and that's only because of the uh, love uh, feud over Rosario Dawson, which I could totally understand. (laughs) Um, it's, It's more like, holy crap, there's another person, yay! Whereas in, you know, Walking Dead or and things like that, where it's like other people, we need to be suspicious of them. Well, other other people are the, the Walking Dead is a little double entendre in that there are zombies. Yes, but the people are the actual Walking Dead because 
they're just constantly murdering each other because nobody trusts anybody and they're so short on supplies that you can't share what you have. So uh, this obviously takes a, a much more lighthearted approach to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I like And uh, while we're here, the, we kind of, uh, over the summer, I saw another... Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, that's his name, right? I'm not going crazy. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Art of Self-Defense. One of my favorite movies I saw this year. Uh, very low-budget, uh, dark comedy. Uh, <laughs> and if you have the patience for it, it's worth every minute. And I know a lot of people have probably have never even heard of it. And it was just one of those that I've randomly popped into and uh, would probably be on my top 10 of the year if I made a list. Interesting. That that says Um, a lot about what's what else has been released this year, too. yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next week we had Black and Blue, The Current oh, wait. War. Pause. Oh, sorry. Uh, we skipped over The Lighthouse. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, again, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a dark comedy. It's it's not so much a comedy, but there are some very funny moments to it, and this is just a, a display. It, it is in. Uh, four by three aspect ratio. So it's like watching an old TV show. It's entirely in black and white. Uh, think clerks. Um, but on a much more, a much larger scale. Cause they, it's Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. And they're just trapped in this lighthouse for the two hours. However long the movie is. Um, and crazy shit starts to happen happen um do you know anything about this movie i just clicked on it on on wikipedia um it literally lists three people yeah. in the cast yeah overall. that's what you get <laughs> and it says that it's originally based even though it doesn't bear any resemblance by the end it's originally based on an edgar Allan poe story called the lighthouse oh. It says, well, here's the sentence. So it's written by two brothers. Their their last name is Eggers. According to Eggers, one of them directed it. Although the final story bears little resemblance to Edgar Allan Poe's fragment, The Lighthouse, the film began as an attempt by his brother, Max Eggers, to do a contemporary take on the Poe story. I see. See, I, did, I didn't know that. I know that there were, there were kind of elements of uh, Poe in, in it. It's if you know the the Telltale Heart, it's kind of similar to that. It's where you're just you're, you're driven mad essentially by by your environment. Yeah, right. and, I, and I'm not familiar with the Lighthouse by Poe, but I assume it's along those same lines. I mean, everything by him was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to take another little detour here and uh, come up with something that's probably not on your list uh one one is definitely not on your list i mentioned clerks in the way that the lighthouse was shot i actually went to a reading of 
Clerks 3. Kevin Smith's Clerks 3 script, which is never going to be produced, but I want to mention it here. Uh, I won't give away too much because we were there. It was a charity event to raise money for the theater where they originally held the auditions for Clerks uh, 20 some odd years ago. Um, because that theater was uh, coming in under uh, financial hard times and was about to shut down. And Kevin was like, uh, I don't want to see that happen. Let's see what we can do. And he decided to, uh, you know, he comes around all the time. Like there's only so many times you can do a Q&A. So he really had to incentivize uh, buying a ticket to see him by doing something he had never done before. So I was one of, uh, it's a very small theater. There were maybe, maybe a hundred to one hundred and fifty people uh, packed into this uh, this room, uh, who got to watch him and Brian O'Halloran and Brian Johnson and a couple other people who were originally involved in the making of uh, Clerks read this Clerks three script. Um, now, okay, so without giving mm-hmm. too much away, because him and him and Jeff Anderson, the guy who played Randall, have kind of had an on-off friendship, relationship, whatever, throughout Correct. the years. And the rumor has always been that Anderson, it took him forever to finally agree to do Clerks 2. And then he signed on for 3, and then it took them too long to make it, so he pulled out again and whatever, and... A, I guess it's back on. It now is back. It is back something. on. Uh, Jeff has apparently uh, agreed to do it. It will not well, be. So it will did... not be this version that I heard, though. This version that I heard uh, was um, Kevin openly admitted uh, he was kind of in a dark space in his head, and he's much more positive now, post heart attack, and, and where he's just happy to be alive. Um, yeah, I've, I, I don't know if, if this version that you heard or I, I, the last I heard was that there is a version or it's the version that's going to happen or something is basically one of them, either Dante or Randall has a heart attack and then basically is like, oh, wow, we need to make a movie based on our lives. And then they basically make clerks but they're in their 40s instead of he was in his 20s when he did it i don't know whether that's the version you saw or whether that's the version that's getting made but my bigger question was was the character of randall i'm sorry yeah randall featured in this version that you went to go see the thing or was this kind of written as like a if randall or if jeff anderson didn't join oh no randall was the biggest part of this movie he was he, like okay. he, he, Clerks One, Dante in Clerks Two as well. Dante was uh, more the main character in this one. I would say Randall was actually more the main character. Yeah. Okay. So it w- it would never would have been done without him. And okay. Um, okay. To, to this point, again, we'll keep just kind of going down little detour paths. Uh, I don't know if you have Jay and Silent Bob reboot on the on your list. I honestly don't know whether it's on this <laughs> yeah, list. Yeah, but if it is, then it should be coming up soon because this was right around the time where I went to see it the first time. Um, it is very much a return to the View Universe. Uh, 
it doesn't quite connect the way that his movies in the past have. Maybe that's just me being older. Uh, it is very much true to form. Uh, I, I'll give him that. Like this, everything about this movie is like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back on steroids in a modern. Yeah, you and I, we talked about this in person because you actually, I wasn't able to make it, but you actually invited me to come mm-hmm. see it with you. And I, because I, I mean, obviously I don't want, because I do want to see it. You know, it's one of the few that I, that I am not going to, if it, you know, came around, I, I might go out to see it. But, you know, whenever it, it comes out on whatever streaming or whatever, I am planning on seeing it. So I don't want to know too much. But that's basically how you described it to me was because, you know, I'm a fan. It's one of the ways that, you know, one of the thing, many things that you and I have bonded over over the years. So you said basically you said to me that I'll enjoy it to a certain extent because it's, oh, these, you know, here they are again. Here's those characters and whatever. But. I, I kind of, even when I look back at some of the stuff, and maybe it's just with the, you know, PC mindset that we have now or whatever, I just look back at some of the stuff when I rewatch it and I go, oh, maybe that doesn't play as well anymore, you know? And I just wonder if this is, this goes one, that goes one way or the other to the yeah, extreme. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if it was me and, it never would be, but if it was, I would probably lean more into that stuff that uh, would offend people nowadays. Because the other side of that coin is what Kev actually does, and he more or less plays it safe. And uh, and, and I get that. I understand why you do that. Um, but in, in comedy, there should be no rules in comedy. You know what I mean? And he's trying to uh, write this movie that abides by the, uh, the the rules of today, the PC culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, there's a balance. I uh, A few weeks ago, a month ago, whatever, I got done rewatching the American version of The Office. You go back and watch that. The early mm-hmm. seasons, you cannot do some of the jokes right. from there. Like you just, you, and you can't, you today. can't do it, but they're probably still funny. Right. Yeah. And yes. th- that's the problem with a lot of this stuff to, to me, at least a lot of the, the modern stuff that Kev is doing. It's just not funny. Like I wanted to, I go into a movie that is, you know, basically Jane, silent Bob strike back part two, the reboot, whatever you want to call it. I laughed a lot at that movie when it originally came out. I want to laugh like that again. And this was not that. It was true. It was really true. But it was not as funny as you want it to be. Okay. Uh, I haven't watched some of the latest episodes. But just overall, one of the, the things with... I Because I agree... To a certain extent, you know, there are there shouldn't necessarily be rules when it comes to comedy. You know, I don't think comedians should have to go out and apologize for this and that. You know, there are certain things that it's like, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't joke about that. If it was in the past, you know what I mean? It happened. But like 
now don't you, yeah. I, you get what yeah. i'm saying like nothing of, nothing that ricky gervais said at the golden globes you know shocked me or or made me want to cancel him put it that way exactly. exactly it's a comedian making jokes like take a minute to just you know laugh Exactly. And one of the one of the best things that I can think of uh, that has kind of adapted to that and still from the stuff that I've seen, I haven't really seen many episodes in these later seasons, but still remains funny is uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That show's been around for what, like 15 years now. I don't know if you if you're a fan or not, but, you know, they they have adapted pretty well to what you can do, what you can't do. In this, you know, you know, you use the word cancel, so cancel culture, and they still remain relatively funny with it. Uh, I tend to agree from the limited amount that I've seen. I, I do enjoy the show when I see it, but it's not. I'm not a, a religious watcher. Right. Uh, okay. Continuing on with. Well, wrapping up, I guess, the month of October, we had Black and Blue, The Current War, Countdown, The Kill Team, and The Gallows Act 2. The only one of these that I know anything about was Black and Blue, only because I saw a preview of it, and that was another one where somebody that I was with said, ooh, I might want to see that, (laughs) but I didn't get the chance to... Partly didn't want to, but I also didn't get the chance to go see it. The only one uh, out of those movies you just mentioned I'm even familiar with is The Current War. And, uh, again, based on actual events from many, many years ago, uh, went through a lot of distribution problems because apparently it was one of the last uh, movies that Harvey Weinstein produced. Yeah, and but then it was sold off, so he would not have his name attached or be able to profit from it going forward. And it was a lot of reshoots happened, uh, but I never got around to seeing it. But apparently, the finished product when it came out was actually pretty good. So maybe at some point I will. Okay. Getting into November, we have. So, okay, again, the the Australian podcast, they did a whole thing leading up to the Terminator movie of what is the real Terminator 3? Yes. Because pretty much every Terminator since Terminator 2, even the TV show, has tried to act as Terminator 3, and they all kind of cancel each other out. So what what is the real Terminator 3, uh, Terminator Dark Fate, uh, Motherless Brooklyn, The Irishman... Harriet and Arctic Dogs. Uh, so I will say about the Terminator, this is the most direct sequel that we've ever received to T2. Um, do you mind if I spoil it? <laughs> Go for it. I know a little bit about it, so I've never I've never been a Terminator guy. So uh, it's I was I. Uh, let me also preface this by saying uh, this was another one. Again, it fought, fell right in that range where I really didn't care to try and avoid trailers because nothing I really wanted to see uh, 
and avoid was coming out. So I did happen to see this trailer many, many times, and I saw that Arnold popped up. Had I gone into this movie not knowing that Arnold was in it, I think I would have absolutely loved it. But knowing what I knew going in and just waiting for it to eventually happen, it doesn't happen until like an hour into the movie. Uh, it was just kind of like, okay, it was like it was like the thing with Mysterio turning on Spider-Man. It's like just sitting there waiting for it to happen, right? Okay. But in the first five minutes of Terminator Dark Fate, you see a de-aged uh, Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton, uh, on the beach somewhere in Mexico. And she's with uh, a kid who's made to look just like Edward Furlong, uh, John Connor, uh, from T2. And a Terminator comes up, uh, you know, a naked version of Arnold comes up on the beach and just blast John Connor. Boom. And, and that, yeah. the, 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 the main, the crux of the whole yep. thing. Yep. Right. And, and that's it. Just kills John Connor. Like it completely negates everything that happened in T2. They just sent another one, caught him by surprise, found him in Mexico. Boom. And it like t- takes place a, probably a week after T2 ended. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, 30 years later or whatever you, you, uh, run into Sarah Connor still fighting the good fight or whatever and meets this new cast of characters from Mexico and stuff. And it, it's, it's enjoyable. You know, it's, it's probably the best one since T2. Uh, it allegedly did not do that well no. to no. the point where it's probably unlikely that we're going to get a sequel. I guess there was a lot of clashing between James Cameron and the director. of. Yeah. The and I'm completely fine if they never make another one. I probably, I would have been completely fine if they never made another one after T2. <laughs> but uh, as, as far, if you like T2 as much as I did, uh, and I've told, I've told my friends this because that was like the movie growing up for us. And I like I'm, I know I know they've put out a shit ton of movies, but you got to go see this one. It's just just for that moment to just see the fucking Terminator come up and just pop John Connor like that. It's it's like just oh, I can't believe I went through all that just for that to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Spoilers. Um, the only other one that pops out to me on this list is the Irishman only because it's my area and everybody lost their minds around here because (laughs) chances are, if you're around here, you either know someone related to somebody in the movie or like, like uh, I'm not going to name names, but my current supervisor used to babysit for the Dalia kids (laughs) like years back. So like, I and I'm and I'm and I know other people who have said that they know people from that family or whatever over the years. So around here everybody lost their minds over this. I still haven't watched it. I don't really have a desire to watch it uh, partly because I heard the the uh de-aging process was not very good. It's it's um, striking uh, when you first see it. Like when when Joe Pesci's head first pops up on the screen, you're like, "Whoa, what the hell's going on here?" Um, but then you know, eventually, over the three and a half hour long movie, you kind of get used to it. Um, 
that's another reason why I'm like, wow, do I really want to uh, invest? Like people I know who were like super ecstatic. Again, the, the girl who liked Joker was like one of the biggest, like, I can't wait to see this. And like, she took off of work for a weekend, basically did what you and I do. If you don't necessarily get to see something right off the top, you know, kind of stay off social media. And she said her first time watching it, she fell asleep like halfway through. Cause it was just yeah. so long. I'm sure that happened to many, many people. Um, personally, I went to the very first screening on the very first morning of release day uh, when it was at, in the theater in Philadelphia. And I did this not knowing the Philadelphia connection to the movie. Because, uh, again, I go in, I try to go in as blind as possible. So I didn't know what I was getting into. All I knew was Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci, Pacino. Okay? That was enough. Yeah. That was all I needed to know, and it was going to be on Netflix. However, it did have a limited release in some very small theaters uh, in the month prior to it popping up on Netflix. And like I said, went to the very first screening, was in there in a mostly packed theater, mostly old people. Again, probably a lot of people, like you said, who had connections to some of the people portrayed in the movie. Yep, um, <laughs> yeah, like like there was one scene where uh, Frank Frank Rizzo, former uh, mayor of Philadelphia, is mentioned, and there was basically a standing ovation. <laughs> now, I, from what I know about Frank Rizzo, he's not deserving of a standing ovation, but to these people, obviously, he was. Uh, you know, and they they put the names up on the screens of some of, uh, of the characters that you see, and you would hear like the whispers around you like saying something about that person after they show them on the screen. You know what I mean? Um, Right. I didn't know I had a connection. Uh, I I won't get into what that connection is, but my grandmother was uh, very familiar with some of the people portrayed in this movie. Um, As an Italian from the Philadelphia suburbs, make your own connections. Uh, uh, but the, as far as the movie, we haven't really said anything about the movie itself. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, the, the, the movie itself, uh, I, I thought the, I like the more I, I think about it, uh, the more I think, and I've watched it in pieces aside from that very first time, you know, I stayed awake throughout all that and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but then since then I've watched it in bits and pieces on Netflix and just, I really enjoy it the more I think about it. I mean, I, like I said, I haven't heard anything negative about it, you know, and I'm sure at some point I might, you know, put it on and, and try to watch it. But like I said, all I know is people around here, and you said you experienced something very similar, you know, they they lost their minds and it became like the bit because I remember even when it was announced because people were like, oh, they're making they're making a movie about that. Like, that's oh, that's Mm -hmm. here, you know, like all this other stuff. And so then, you know, it finally happened and it was just one of those. Again, I'm sure you get it with. Uh, whether it's Always Sunny or anything M. Night Shyamalan does because it's the Philadelphia area. You know, I had it similar with The Office and, you know, this. And there's, you know, there's been a few other things, whatever. 
and people, you know, of course have it in other areas of the country or the world. It's your area, you know, so you kind of look at it from a different perspective of everybody. Like, you know, somebody who is, you know, puts on Netflix in uh, Washington State probably doesn't have the same feeling that you or I do. Not at all. With, you know what I mean? Like with this movie, they may have it of something else, something, you know, that takes place on the West Coast. And we don't understand their their like weird feeling towards it. But, you know, it's just that weird thing of like when it's your area specifically and people that, you you know, I know a guy who knows a guy who, you know, was that guy or whatever, you know, someone someone from Iowa strange (laughs) would could never. I, I'll, I'll just flat out say it could never appreciate the Sopranos or anything like that in the way that I can. Right. I'm not trying exactly. to sound pompous or, or better than or anything like that. But you but by the same token, you couldn't necessarily and I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to do a stereotypical thing here, but you couldn't necessarily understand a farmer or something, you know what I mean? If it was Nebraska, they, you know, they have like corn is like a big, you know, Midwest corn thing. Like you couldn't necessarily understand that as much exactly. as they could by For the sure. same token. You know, um, I um, also want to talk about motherless Brooklyn real quick. Uh, this is a movie I actually ended up seeing twice in the theaters. And uh, it's, it, this was Edward Norton's pet project. Uh, based on a movie written in the late, or I'm sorry, based on a book written in the late 90s, and he kind of bought the rights to it, uh, wrote, produced, and directed all on his own, uh, had a great cast, and is just a movie you really don't see get made much anymore. Uh, he took the the, the genre, the, the kind of crime uh, detective thriller aspect and it, the book itself was based in the 90s he took it and based that character in the 50s um, and had its own kind of uh, his his own kind of spin on it and it's basically this uh, it's a detective with uh, Tourette syndrome and it's never really treated as a joke but it's it's funny you know you know like he's he's a serious character but he has these twitches and it it affects the story obviously um but yeah i don't think a lot of people knew much about it and if you have a chance i would put this uh on my higher end of the recommendations for 2019 all right um, you said Jojo Rabbit too, next, right? Uh, that was back oh. a little further in, towards the end of October. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> another one. It's it's going to get more hype now because it's got a bunch of Oscar nominations. Uh, Taika Waititi is the man. <laughs> I really knew nothing about him prior to him doing Thor Ragnarok. But since then, I've actually uh, I've I've been in the same room with him, uh, him doing a, a Q and A, and then watching him and finding out what he's all about, and uh, making a movie like this where it's about a a 
child who's uh, in the Hitler youth, basically being trained to become a Nazi soldier. You know, they're, they're trying to bring him up and he has develops this. Um, do you know anything about this? No. OK. No. He develops uh, his imaginary friend becomes Adolf Hitler, who was actually played by Taika Waititi himself. <laughs> yeah. So okay. some people are obviously not going to find this funny, but it was one of the funniest movies of the year. But it's also uh, emotionally gripping because it has like a, a diary of Anne Frank type uh, story uh, contained within it. So it, it will go from making you laugh to tearing your heart out at the same time. Uh, and another uh, Sam Rockwell is another actor who I will watch in anything and he just completely uh <laughs> kills his role i don't want to say too much about it but th th you're going to hear a lot more about this movie leading up to the oscars and uh, it's well deserved interesting um the only other ones that week were harriet and arctic dogs haven't gotten harry yet uh, i will i've heard it's a great performance and I f I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't see Arctic Dogs with your nieces or whatever. I, I don't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it until recently because there's a I saw previews for a movie with Harrison Ford with something with dogs in the snow. And I thought I kept saying I kept seeing something about Arctic Dogs thinking it was that. But basically it is it's a. The animation style of like Ice Age or whatever. Okay. That's basically what it. And I mean, I don't know what the plot is, um, but it's. I think it's. I would assume sled dogs or something, but it's Jeremy Renner, Heidi Klum, James Franco, John Cleese, Michael Madsen, Angelica Houston, and Alec Baldwin are the voice oh. cast. But yeah, so it's a family. The, the dogs talk. Movie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the po like the I'm looking at the poster here, and there's like a moose with a jacket on. There's a bear with overalls. Yeah, that type of thing. That's why I'm. But I'm I'm kind of surprised that you wouldn't have gone to seen it with the the kids. In your yeah. Life. Uh, uh, I don't get to see them as much as I probably should, especially uh, like all the things that I do with them mostly are over the summer because our schedules kind of clash once they start school. Hmm. Um, continuing into November is Marriage Story, Dr. Sleep, Last Christmas, Playing with Fire, Midway, Klaus, and Honey Boy. Uh, I'll say right off the bat, Honey Boy, I haven't seen yet, but I've heard nothing but great things about. Um, I will see it at my earliest convenience it's just it was had a very limited run in the big theaters and i think it's still playing in a couple little art house theaters in philadelphia but i can only get there you know few and far between um it's on amazon it says right now i yeah i'm i'm pretty it says it's, it was made by amazon so i would assume huh. it's probably on their site well, I'll have to look into that. Uh, <laughs> um, 
that would be probably the next thing I watch in that case. Um, first one you said, Marriage Story. Uh, now, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to say, uh, as of the time we're recording this, um, it's National Popcorn Day. I like to sit down with my popcorn, watch a movie. Um, for the past few years, I have made it my mission to see every Best Picture nominated film uh, prior to the Oscars. So I have a good idea of, you know, who's going to win and whatnot. Uh, last year, I wanted to see all of them in the theater. And I think all I there were like nine nominees and I think I got to seven of them this year. I all but marriage story. I got to see all best picture nominees in the theater prior to them even being announced. So I'm way ahead of the game. Uh, Marriage story, unfortunately, was the one and only one that I had to watch on Netflix. And it kind of hit home to me, but because I'm a child of divorce it would probably hit home to uh, my parents a lot more, though I doubt either of them would want to or you know even care to sit down and watch this movie. It's good though. It's 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 very well written. It's very well directed, and it's uh, gotten a lot of nominations, and it's very deserving of all of them. Adam Driver can do no wrong in my eyes. I've been a big fan of his ever since he first uh, popped up on on Girls uh, on HBO a few years back. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this cast. Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, Laura Dern, Alan Alda. That seals it for (laughs) me. Uh, And Ray Liotta, Julie Haggerty, and Merritt Weaver. So, all, yeah. all five of those people uh, you just mentioned play great parts, especially Laura, Laura Dern is a lock to win the Oscar. Uh, Alan Alda and Ray Liotta, the, all three of those, Dern, Liotta, and Alda play the divorce attorneys. So you can okay. see the, the, the uh, different dynamics of those characters, uh, where they're coming from. Years back, I... I found a picture of I remember when who was it that somebody passed away and I think it was like probably David Bowie or or you know like Alan Rickman or somebody like that where it was like you know one of the huge I think it was, it was probably in that year of 2016 where it seemed like everybody passed away terrible um and people terrible year continue yeah uh but people started posting pictures of like um what's his name Tim Robbins and things like that, where it's like, oh, let's get it straight before, you know, he dies. I always liked him or whatever. And I'm just like, where's the love for Alan Alda? (laughs) You know? So, like, I put up, and it's probably if somebody searches, like, deep on my Instagram or or Facebook or whatever, they could probably find it. But, like, I did one of those, too, where, like, I found a picture of him and I put some text over it and was like, you know, in case anything ever happens, I want it on record, like, way back when that, like, I've been a fan of his for a very long time I, you know not just mash but like i grew up watching mash with my mother's father you know what i mean so and then i watched it later on when i actually understood a lot of the stuff but i've you know i'm i like alan alda so you know give them the flowers while they can still smell them exactly uh dr sleep didn't see it i'm assuming you did though um and uh, 
I, I really dug deep into The Shining in the week or so prior to going to see Dr. Sleep. And I'm really glad I did because uh, they they really they really nail it, in my opinion. Um, I I enjoy the shit out of this movie. I'm, I'm really surprised it didn't get uh, a more acclaim than it did. Uh, it's it's a very fitting, appropriate, well-made, well-acted sequel to one of the... I don't want to say one of the best movies of all time, but uh, one of the most infamous movies of all time, maybe? So, okay. Stephen King allegedly... Maybe not allegedly. I think he's flat out set. He has an issue with the Kubrick version Correct. of The Shining. That's partly why he did his own version. Is this a sequel to the movie? Is it a sequel to the book? Because it's based on the book. Doctor Sleep is the is Doctor Sleep. If I'm not mistaken, the book is the sequel to The Shining. The uh-huh. book. Where does this movie fall in terms of book versus movie? Um, it is, it's, it is very much a sequel to the movie. Okay, so does that mean much like the movie, The Shining, it, it's different than the book? I don't know because I haven't read the book. <laughs> okay, because that seems weird. Like because he's, he's getting more involved with doing. Things not involved in in like he writes a lot of the thing, but like you know, uh, it is a closer adaptation or whatever. Pet Cemetery was you know not a closer adaptation, but you know supposed to be more within the the thing where he wouldn't say I don't like that as much as he did with The Shining and some other adaptations. It seems weird that they would make another one that's against what he likes if, if that makes no, sense. No, I think he had uh, a lot more of uh, say in this. But at the same time, you know, you realize sure, I'm sure probably millions of people read the book, but when you're making a movie, you can't just you know go in a completely different direction with the sequel. Wouldn't make much sense. I, mean, you know, I, know, I know one of the things was like the, the room number, right? I can't think of what it is off the top of my head, but in in the 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 room, haunted room, whatever, um, was one number in the book and it was a different number in the movie. Whatever it is, it, it maintained that number from the movie in the sequel. You know, you okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because like I could see it be like, again, something I don't know that much about, but like. The Watchmen TV series, if I'm not mistaken, is a sequel to the comic, not a sequel to the movie. Yes. Right? So, the, I mean, they could have they could have gone that way, but I guess, yeah, if it's when it comes to The Shining, that's kind of oh, what you, you go with the, the movie yeah. version. Let's, let's act like that Watchmen movie never even existed now. Like, now that I've, I've went back and read the graphic novel right before watching the entire series, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's, we can just act like that movie never even happened. 
Okay. <laughs> um, do you have anything on last Christmas playing with fire midway or Klaus? Nope. All right, then. Uh, the next week was Ford v. Ferrari, Charlie's Angels, The Good Liar, The Report, and Waves. Uh, a lot of, I think I at least um, want to see or wanted to see everything on the, on this list. Um, Charlie's Angels I didn't get to, mostly because. Neither did a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. It was just uh, that had it gotten great reviews, I probably would have. But because. Yeah, well, according to Elizabeth Banks, that's our fault because we say we want women in film, but then we don't go to see women in film. I don't think that's what it was. I think people just don't want Charlie's Angels anymore. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't think it has anything to do with not wanting to see women in action movies. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that. I think it's just no one wants Charlie's Angels. I, I think Little Women is doing great at the box office right now. Yeah. You know, uh, and and that's a and that's something that has been released as many times as Charlie's Angels has now. And just sometimes it's just not that good. And sometimes it's just not what you want. So um, I, I hate to put it out that way but that's just what it is. Like, I, I don't think you could really hate on the general public for not wanting to see Charlie's angels again in 2019. Yeah. Anyway, uh, waves is on my list. It has again, become one of those that is, uh, become difficult to, to, to seek out and, and find a way to view it. As far as I know, maybe it's just sitting on uh, Amazon with honey boy. <laughs> I don't think so, according to what I'm just looking here. I don't. Maybe it is. I don't know. I think the report there, is. Yeah, I did Amazon watch movie. the report on Amazon recently, and um, again, another movie. Uh, Adam Driver is the man, uh, and it's another movie based on actual events. But apparently, this is pretty much spot on. You know that there was, you know, not a lot of wiggle room with the actual events. It's all documented. Hence right. the report, <laughs> you know, it's based on an actual government report. Um, enjoyable, but disturbing to watch at the same time. And it probably will. It, it should infuriate you. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it. I just clicked on it, but I'm looking at what it's about. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like it would be a difficult, but difficult thing to watch, but something that you should right. watch. And it's it's right in the same vein as uh, a movie that you'll probably list here in the next uh, couple minutes called Dark Waters uh, featuring Mark Ruffalo be in that investigative journalist slash uh, lawyer role uh, where you just got to kind of dig in and, and see the atrocities that are being committed um, knowingly. Uh, and the lack of accountability that that's that's goes on. These movies are not feel good movies, uh, but they will uh, evoke an emotional reaction. Do you feel like that's? And I'm not. Again, these are stories that should be told. I fully understand that. 
and I'm not saying that they can't be done well or whatever, but do you feel like it's just Oscar bait after a certain point? Well, considering that neither one of those movies earned any nominations, <laughs> I, I'm not sure we can uh, come up with that. I know th- these are more more likely than not, like someone, some producers like pet project and it's what really means something to them. I know that was the case with Mark Ruffalo and dark waters. Um, and, and you're right. Like they, these stories should be told, but I don't think you can blame anybody for not wanting to shell out their 10, 12, $15 to sit there and, and become depressed. Yeah, I mean, well, just looking at it, right, and I'm, I'm not even going to say, like, a Charlie's Angels or whatever, but it's like, do I, and yes, I understand the report is an Amazon movie, so it's different, but let's just say it was in theaters. If I could, you know, if I'm spending my, whatever, $10, $12, am I more likely to spend it on the report or the second week of Dr. Sleep? You know what I mean? Like if I hadn't already seen Dr. Sleep for whatever reason, maybe I was working or, you know, was busy or whatever, but I finally have time. Now I get to go to the movies. Yeah, it's in its second week or, or whatever, but chances are, you know, at least me personally, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't want to see the report or should, like I said, it, it just reading the brief synopsis, it feels like something that, that we all should watch, but it's just like, I feel like I would probably more towards Dr. Sleep just because I most times when I go to the movies I don't necessarily want to see reality I deal with reality in real life I go to the movies to have a little bit of a an escape for you know two or three hours or whatever I I couldn't agree more and if I were like I said I'm not going to make a top 10 list but if I were to make a top 10 list I think you would see that None of these um, based based on a true story, retelling of actual events type movies would be on it because that's my personal preference, not what I want to see in movies. There are some great ones out there, and I have um, educated myself, for lack of a better word, uh, it, using these these films um, – as much as I could anyway, as much as that the, the, the events are actually factual, you know, I kind of got to take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, like I now have a base knowledge of what happened. You know what I mean? So I, I, in that sense, I've educated myself, but more often than not, that's not what I want to go see a movie for. Right. Case in point, uh, uh, Another one right on this list that you just mentioned, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, Again, a retelling of actual events, and there's not much wiggle room. Like, what happened, happened. You know, I'm sure they're uh, uh, romanticizing some of the uh, interactions between the characters, but when it comes to, oh, they're, they're, you know, building a car, and the way they built it and what happened with that car is what happened. The way that they raced, that's what happened. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll counter that. I'm I don't disagree, but I'll counter that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is about two fictional characters. It's uh, two fictional characters and one real life person, but it's not retelling in actual events. Right. I get that. And I I definitely, and I I understand the, the difference between them, but it's just like, I think, not that they would for, you know, Ford v ferrari or the the this other you know the report or anything like that and not that you should necessarily Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because like realistically like i said these are you know stories that that should be told or whatever but obviously you can do fictional that again i i don't think with everything but you can do fictionalized versions even that one you said where taika watiti plays hitler Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you can do fictionalized versions of things, but it just depends on if you do it the right way, I guess. Yeah. And what the what the rest of the story is. Yeah, but in for something like this, like Quentin Quentin's established like his his thing now, but you, <laughs> to put out Ford for Ford versus Ferrari, let's say just let's say Ford never won, right? But in the movie net, you now make Ford win. It sounds like a Tarantino-esque thing to do, but there's there's a difference there. You need something else with it. Like even in glorious bastards, there was, there was something else with even, you know, they changed actual history, but there there's, there's more to it than just that. Exactly. Like, like, yeah, you can't tell a story like this, even like you said, with, with once upon a time in Hollywood, there's realistic elements to it, but it's the fictional part that makes it so that you could change those realistic elements. Yes, exactly. And, uh, by the way, Ford versus Ferrari, I have no problem with it. Like I enjoyed the time I spent in the theater. It's, it's been called a dad movie, which, uh, funny enough, I brought my father to see it. (laughs) Like he, he, said to me and he is not i i don't get my movie watching genes from my father okay he's probably hasn't been to the theater in 10 years prior to this but he saw a preview and said hey that looks pretty good and i was like well we should go you know just kind of do something with your dad you know why not and uh i don't think he even knows how much i go to the damn theater but i said we're going yeah, I bought the tickets and I picked them up on Saturday afternoon and we went, you know, so very much a dad movie. And he knew what he was watching because he's a car guy, you know, and he knew what was going to happen before it happened because he he already knew about some of this stuff. But right. he enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I got no problem with it. And it's a great performance from Christian Bale. There you go. Uh. The next week, Frozen 2, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, 21 Bridges, and Dark Waters. Uh, Frozen 2 was one that I wanted to see, but uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, I didn't get a chance to go see it. Um, So I actually, I, I plan to see it one day. I still haven't yet. And A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, um... I don't, I want to see it to a certain extent. Um, I feel like I might just 
I, I'm, I'm waiting. I, I want to say that it's, it's out or it's going to be out on something relatively soon, but I don't know. Um, Mr. Rogers is like a weird thing. I've heard that Tom, this was like the role that Tom Hanks was born to play <laughs> or whatever. You know, I heard he did very well with it, but um, I don't know. It just, it's weird because like I have a weird, like I used to watch Mr. Rogers all the time. Like I had an autographed picture of him. I had an autographed picture. I met the mailman from that show. You know what I mean? Like, so Mr. Rogers is like a weird, I think it was in, it was in Philly, right? Uh, it's outside Pittsburgh, I believe. Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's okay. But so, yeah, like I actually, somebody in my family like worked in the same building that that was like produced in. Like, that's how I got the picture from him. And so it's just like a weird thing because like that is my childhood. And that's, that seems to me like the weird thing where it's like, well, how, you know, is is it going to be weird seeing someone else portray him kind of thing? So quick sidebar on Mr. Rogers. Uh, I like so many other millions of children grew up on him, uh, grew up watching his show religiously. um, And I would actually, uh, I, I remember crying when his show was over because I knew I then couldn't watch it again till the next day. It wasn't like kids today, you know, where you oh just you know DVR everything or watch it on demand or stream it or just go on YouTube or whatever. Like when when that show was done, that show was done, <laughs> yep. and uh, you know you had to wait for it to come on PBS the next day. And I and it used to, you know, I. I would be so sad that Mr. Rogers was gone for the day that it would actually make me cry. So that's the kind of relationship I had with him. And to, to see this, um, in this very emotional, especially and and, and they, they also had the documentary that came out last year. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? I think it was called. Um, that was, uh, insanely good. One of the best documentaries I've seen. And then this movie, I, I wouldn't say it was the, the role Tom Hanks C- consider all the roles that Tom Hanks has played. Okay. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know that's it's, it's, it's funny because like, that's like I mentioned, um, uh, Tim Robbins earlier. I think it's Tim Robbins, right? That's from, from the original it. Um, right. Was it Tim what? Robbins? I think. I don't know. I, Who's Tim? Who am I thinking of? Tim, not Tim Robbins. Tim Curry. Okay. Tim Curry is that who I'm thinking of? Something I can't remember his name. Anyway, but it's like you know you you recognize like, you know I I know you know how what I have in common with this person based on how they know this whatever and that's the thing is like uh, I know people are of a certain age depending on what they know Tom Hanks from. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like my both of my parents always, no matter what. Now, so you 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 think Tom Hanks, right? People would say probably Forrest Gump, Big, um, um, trying to think, uh, Castaway. You know things like that. My parents, both of them, anytime they immediately go bosom buddies. Yep. <laughs> same same for my parents. Who who. Yeah, but like who like our age? And I mean there's there's a uh, not a big age gap between you and I, but who our age 
would say bosom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's you, you could tell that's people of a certain age would say bosom buddies. I think you know, a like, large age group would say Woody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? But like, that's the thing is like, you, like, he's, he's that, that kind of person where I feel like you could tell a lot, not a lot about a person, but it's just like when you say Tom Hanks, what do they know him from? Like, first and foremost, you yeah. know? But, uh... I think, I think Bill, was it Bill Kava said his daughter's just getting into watching all of those movies recently? Which movies? All of Tom Hanks's oh. movies. I believe it was Kava posted a thing on Facebook the other day that they're go that they're slowly going through all of the, uh, the Tom Hanks mm. movies. Yeah, I was I was raised on some of those that I probably shouldn't even been watching at, at a young age, like The Money Pit. <laughs> the Money Pit <laughs> is one of my earliest memories of watching a movie. Um, followed shortly thereafter by Big. Yeah, I think that was. I think Big is one of the ones. If I if I'm not mistaken, I think that's one of the ones they started out yeah. with. <laughs> uh, classic. Um, but yeah, I, it should go without saying, you know, we're sitting here talking about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks does an excellent job. I, he really couldn't imagine it being anyone else. So in that respect, I, I get what you're trying to say. Um, but the movie itself is not what you would think. This is not a Fred Rogers biopic. Uh, this movie really just tells the story of this, um, fictionalized version now again again it goes back to what we were just talking about in the late 90s there was a writer for uh, i think it was vanity fair rolling stone one of those big magazines uh who did a profile on mr rogers and then developed a relationship with him until he died essentially um and this is a loose version of that story none of it actually happened the writer himself they changed the name and fictionalized it so here we have uh, again a fictional character in the writer interacting with a real historical figure in fred rogers but it's loosely based on actual events <laughs> okay yeah so it, 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 you're not going to see the movie itself uh, nominated for any awards. It's not that great a movie. It's not that great of a story. But it does have a great performance. Okay. See, I didn't know that aspect yeah, of it. So, the, yeah. I don't know. Now I'm kind of like, mm, yeah. about the, it. The movie itself, is, it's not a Fred Rogers biopic. It's not even a biopic about the writer. You could have done that. But it's a, it's a fictionalized biopic about a fictional writer. And Fred Rogers just happens to play a part in the story. Hmm. Yeah. When, when, when you know that, at that point, I think you can kind of know what to expect from it. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. All right, maybe I won't be rushing out to see it whenever it comes to wherever it's going to, whatever streaming service. Uh, yeah, I think if you really want to know more about Mr. Rogers and you haven't seen that documentary that was released uh, in 2018, go watch that instead. 
Okay. Um, 21 Bridges, Dark Waters. I, I know you said you mentioned Dark Waters. A, a I did earlier. mention Dark Waters. I, I said pretty much everything I need to say about that. 21 Bridges I did see. Um, and I briefly mentioned uh, in our first podcast about how I walked through the set accidentally one night. Um, and I kind of thought like like they had a whole section of Chinatown in Philly shut down and they had New York NYPD police cars parked in the middle of the street, flashing lights. They had all kind of, uh, you know, cranes set up to get aerial shots. And meanwhile, like I'm just walking right through like it ain't nothing. And I happened to go up to one of the security guards and ask, hey, what are they filming? He said 21 Bridges. And I looked it up and it's like, oh, it's a Chadwick Boseman movie, whatever. And the scene that I'm in or scene that I walk through lasts all of about 42 seconds. Uh, And it just it, it was amazing to me because whole blocks of city streets and all this equipment and getting and fake NYPD police cars to shut down these blocks, uh, all for like a shot that was of minimal importance, you know, and you probably have close to a hundred crew members walking around doing various jobs. And it really put into perspective for me how much these big budget movies have to do just to get one scene, one little scene of a two hour movie. It's crazy. Anyway, movie itself, not that great. Yeah. I just, I happen to to click on it on Wikipedia and it's, you said it's Chadwick Boseman. He's actually one of the producers and it says that uh, Anthony and Joe Russo are producers on it as well. So I would assume this is probably one of those ones where he, I, and I, I don't know, I didn't read anything about it, but I would assume this is probably one of those ones where he somehow got a hold of it, wanted to be in it, figured if he's attached to it, and then got them attached to it as well, if I had to guess. Yeah, something. Because something, that's, something you know, the Marvel yeah. guys. Um, next week was Knives Out, Queen and Slim, and the two popes knives out is one that I actually want to see. And it's one of those ones where basically by now I'm not even sure if it's still going to be in the theater, but if it is pretty much, I feel like this is going to be my last week to be able to go. Yeah, see. I it. think it will. It'll last through Oscar season probably because it got, it got nominations. Um, I need to go back and watch it again because everyone I've talked to raves about it after seeing it. And don't get me wrong the cast is good it's well acted all that uh the story just didn't do it for me maybe because i figured it out like well before like i probably should have um so maybe that kind of ruined it for me and and other people thought it was brilliant i I, maybe that makes me sound a little pompous but no, I mean it's it's a, it's a murder also, mystery, and you're waiting. You're watching a whole two and a half hour long movie to try and get to the end of the murder mystery, and I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of what I figured happened. Okay, so yeah, that would make sense that you'd be 
Underwhelming. But I do want to see yeah. it again, like going in and like knowing for sure what happened now and see if I have a different appreciation for it. Okay. Like I said, I, I want to, and I feel, I mean, I'll have to check, but I, yeah, I feel like if I don't do it now, because it's been since the 27th of November, you know what I mean? And with January ending, I don't know. I feel like most movies don't last much longer than this. Well, they're re-releasing <laughs> everything that got nominated. So like I said, I think, okay. Could. Like Joker's back in theaters now, just cause it got so many nominations for some reason. <laughs> uh, got anything on Queen and Slim or the Netflix movie The Two Popes? I did see both of these actually. Uh, Queen and Slim had uh, some very good parts, and it had some very, uh, very tropey bad parts to it. Um, I think at some point when I was watching it, I was like, this seemed very amateurish, the way it was made, the way it was presented. And then I went and saw that um, whoever the director was, I believe it's a a, a woman who directed it. And I was like, I bet this is her first gig. And she had, I believe, just directed music videos prior to this. And it's, it's stuck out to me. Like, I I don't know how I knew it, but just the way that everything was kind of presented and, uh, the story. Yeah. Uh, it, it it could have been very good. It could have been the, the modern day kind of, uh, Bonnie and Clyde that they wanted it to be, but it just didn't hit for me the way I wanted it to. And the two popes, um, Obviously not uh, uh, a lot of material there. I don't. I don't have a great base knowledge on, on the two popes, as it were. Uh, again, based on actual events. Here we go again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will say, Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins both uh, very, very, very good in this movie. Um, made me believe, and the way it was presented. Uh, done in in a very good way that flashed back between modern and what had happened in their lives prior mostly uh Jonathan Price's character the current pope um and him just kind of thinking he wasn't worthy of becoming the pope whereas the previous pope uh Benedict I think yeah, the 17th, yeah, yeah. I want to say, 16th, 16th something like that. Um, he really th- wanted and thought he belonged in that role and then ended up giving it up. Uh, interesting story. I I don't know, again, how accurate it was portrayed. I guess we kind of just kind of take him at their word for it. But... Uh, one of the mo- most well-made movies I've seen this year. Well acted and well-made and from the, from the way the story was written and presented and definitely not what I expected. Interesting. All right. Getting into December, 
we have the movie that I know that you probably rushed right out to see, Playmobil the movie. <laughs> uh. Uh, the Aeronauts, A Million Little Pieces, and Daniel Isn't Real. So tell us your thoughts on Playmobil the movie. Uh, classic. <laughs> five stars. On here's the four the, well, star okay, scale, so here's the Here's the voices. Anya Taylor-Joy, Daniel Radcliffe, Gabriel Bateman, Jim Gaffigan, Megan Trainer, and Adam Lambert. <laughs> Not the worst voice cast for a movie I've like ever heard. I like one and a half of those people. <laughs> one and a half? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really, honestly, I'm, I'm kidding here, but I have no idea <laughs> what that even no. is. And I've heard uh, you've given me two better uh, voice acting casts already just in this podcast. Oh, yeah. I think this is I, 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 I don't know because I didn't even know until about a uh, yeah, just a few weeks ago that this even existed. I This has to just be, hey, the Lego movie made money. We own Playmobil, which is like the Lego knockoff. Are these, they're thing. bootleg Let's, Legos. That's what these are. That's uh, if I'm not mistaken, Playmobil are the ones where it's like the square bodies with like the kind of roundish heads, but it's only like to the shoulders. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? No. I think I'm. I'm not googling it either. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead. If if you saw if you heard uh, another one, go ahead. And uh, talk about nothing it in this week. This up. <laughs> I can. I could pick um, out something else. Yeah, if you go, I mean, it's almost certain that you know. I, it almost tells me, did you mean Lego when, <laughs> yeah. I, when I type Playmobil? If did you look, you if, you, if you look movie? at, if you look at images, you'll you'll see it. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, the next week was Jumanji: The Next Level. Richard Jewell, Black Christmas, Six Underground, Bombshell, Uncut Gems, Seaberg, and A Hidden Life. I did not get out to see Jumanji. That's another one. That one and Knives Out are the two that like I want to try to see sooner rather than later. But uh, I don't know why. I just didn't. I think maybe because this would have been... Yeah, the 13th, so that would have been right around the time, actually, when Jake came in and uh, he and I went down to visit you and and whatever. So I was probably uh, working and saving money to try to get something for Christmas. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we had more time that day, we probably should have gone to a movie. Um, but besides that, uh, Jumanji, I, I actually missed the reboot from a couple years ago. Uh, but I saw it on a date. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, Good time. <laughs> I had multiple opportunities to see it back then and just missed it every time and had knew I was going to be going to see this one. Uh, that, that just, What's called um, the next level? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the next level. 
Somebody the that Australian podcast what because they called the the one that came out a few years ago to Manji <laughs> because it is it is kind of a sequel. They briefly mention Robin Williams's character, and then I believe they were calling this one uh, Jumanji Twa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. That being said, I watched <laughs> the one from a couple. Of, Welcome to the Jungle, I believe it's actually called. Uh, on my phone, just prior to going into this one, and enjoyed both of them. I, th- I enjoyed the one from a couple of years ago more, but this one was uh, more of the same and. Uh, like what were we talking about earlier? Uh, like Zombieland, they threw a couple new wrinkles in there, a couple twists and turns, and you know, if you like the first one, there's no way you can't not like this one. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so definitely, I want to go see it. I was I was pretty sold anyway, just because I did like that one, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, what else? Uh, we had three other ones on the same day. Uh, Richard Jewell. I know for a fact you have a lot of thoughts. I on that do one. because I didn't. I honestly did not want to go see this movie. I, I am not a Clint Eastwood fan uh, at all, really. Um, however, and I will say again, a movie based on actual events. Whether they're accurate or not, God knows. But uh, the what happened to Richard Jewell, I lived through uh, being a teenager at the time and, and keeping up with current events and being in school, obviously. Uh, I, I re- remember the Olympic bombing in Atlanta in 96, okay? And I remember the story of Richard Jewell and him being accused and everything. What I don't remember is his name ever being cleared. And that was apparently the reason why Clint Eastwood wanted to make this movie is because to, to someone like me, I never even knew they cleared him of all this and that they found someone years later that that information just completely escaped me. So I get why you would want to try and uh, bring it to a larger audience that this guy was actually doing good things for people and the community and was not some kind of terrorist that he was painted out to be for like three months on the news and then you never heard his name again. And yeah, and it's Kathy Bates does a great performance. Um, Sam Rockwell, who I mentioned earlier, does another great performance and the guy who does Richard Jewell, honestly, he seemed, I've listened to a couple interviews with him since, and he just seems like a really great person and awesome dude. I, he's a big wrestling fan that, you know, makes him a good guy in my book. (laughs) And, uh, he turns in a great performance too. When you go back and watch, uh, like actual clips of Richard Jewell and compare him to, uh, the movie, I, I, did not want to like this movie. <laughs> I really didn't. I, and it turned out being one of the better movies I've seen this year. So I, I said it before to anybody listening. Uh, I said about the fact that uh, Jake, who's been a guest, has uh, came to see me around, uh, the, around the time that this 
uh, all came out and whatever. And uh, we took a few hours and we went down to see Kev because he doesn't actually live that far away. And we were out to basically to dinner and, you know, just the three of us all catching up and talking and whatever. And Kevin said almost the exact same thing where we're just sitting there and it was I think Jake brought it up. But Kevin was just like, I, I didn't, I didn't want to like it, man. Like, but I did. Uh, yeah. Well, now the the world gets to hear it. You guys got it first. No, I'm just saying. But it's 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 funny because you know you, throughout all of this, like there are certain ones where it's it's funny because you say the opposite so often. Where it's like, I wanted to like it, but it just it didn't you know, it didn't hold up or whatever. And this one is, this is one of those rare ones where it, cause how often does that happen? Like there are several that are here where you've said flat out, like you didn't want to even have any, you know, you had zero interest in going to see it or anything else like that. So you didn't go and see it. Or there were ones that you thought you were going to like and you did, but it, it almost, it's very rare that it's, you you almost not that you went into like hate watch it no i kind of did it's very rare <laughs> but it, so that okay so that makes it even rarer that you go in and you're just like you know oh, i have a, a burning desire just to hate this and by the end it's like you know what wasn't that bad yeah yeah and it's uh, there's nothing more i can say like you know it, it's not really nominated for anything, nor do I think it should be, but I think uh, it should definitely find an audience somewhere because assuming everything in that movie is, is factual and uh, Richard Jewell really did not bomb the Atlanta Olympics. Like, yeah, clear that man's name and let it be known that, you know, he was smeared for months in the media I mean, we both have differences of opinion on on some media-related things, but I think we can both agree that it's unfortunate, no matter what the case, that the media does that a lot of times where it's so easy to vilify somebody, anybody, but they almost never take the five seconds that they could just to clear somebody's name. Yeah, remember that person that we just dragged through the mud for, you know, like six months to a year? It turns out they actually didn't do that thing. Anyway, let's move on. No, they just skip over that and just move on to the next thing. They might take those five seconds and do it, but if you're not listening for those five seconds where you have had been listening for the majority of the previous three months— you, you know, you know what I mean. It's yeah. it's not. Yeah. <laughs> there's no balance there. You know, they, they may okay. It's like when when newspapers uh, issue uh, corrections and and whatnot. You know, it's it's one little box in the corner of the page, probably on the back page. But, yeah. <laughs> but if it was it was the the headline the day before. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the movie that Kathy Bates got a nomination for and adam sandler put out one of the best tweets uh I, she was nominated for golden globe i don't think she got nominated for an oscar oscar maybe she did okay was it for this yes though? okay because I, I i remember i saw that after the fact where he he said about he made the the the, the water boy joke had me uh, laughing i was i must have missed that 
Oh, he said something. I don't know if she won or because I think it was he didn't win, but he sent out something and he included a picture of her when she's on the sidelines towards the end of the water boy. And he said, but I heard mama did real well or whatever. And she tweeted him back and was like, you know, my dearest Bobby, you know, you're, you'll always be the best thing I ever did or whatever, but thank you so much. And nah, blah, blah, blah. I, I miss that. That's pretty good though. Yeah. Uh, the other ones from that week were black Christmas, nope. which was, I just, I clicked on it while you were talking and it's the second or third attempt to reboot that franchise, basically. <laughs> um, Six Underground. Ridiculous. What's Michael Bay? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. It's Michael Bay. So, say no more. Michael Bay with a Netflix budget. It's by the guys who did um, uh, Zombieland, though. Uh, given the way it was shot, um, that makes sense. Uh, but... The, the most nonsensical stuff. Like, I only half paid attention, but had I given it my full attention, it still wouldn't have made sense. Like, just nonsensical action chases goes from one place to another faster than you can blink. Just not my thing. Yeah, typical Michael yeah. Bay yeah. fare. <laughs> um, bombshell? Um... <laughs> loosely I, I hate that I have to say this so much you know it's again based on actual events but then they throw a fictionalized character in there uh, and things that may or may not have happened the best thing I could say about this movie um, Charlize Theron uh, as Megan Kelly is uncanny apparently she okay. damaged her throat just from trying to capture, they had to, to shut down shooting for a while because she damaged her throat trying to capture that same voice that Megyn Kelly has. <laughs> and looks just like okay. her, acts just like her, talks like her. It, Charlize Theron is the best actress of this generation. Go, go look at her resume and tell me I'm lying. Ah. Uh. Sarah Paulson, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I won't argue with you too much, but Sarah Paulson. I would have to. I would Jake's have to look probably at Sarah. listening to this going. You're an idiot, Paul. <laughs> I would have to look at Sarah Paulson's resume, but I'm giving Charlize Theron her um, for flowers. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, uncut gems. Uh, <laughs> batshit insane movie. It's, it's another one like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where uh, if you're watching it the right way, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time just because it's so tense. You know what I mean? It's, this guy is just all, so all over the place. and You never know what's going to happen next. And But you don't think the stakes are that high, and then it turns out, eh, eh. I won't say anything more than that. Okay. Uh... Is it Seaberg? I I got Seberg? nothing for you on that one. It's uh it's an Amazon movie. It's Kristen Stewart, so it's probably not acted that well. <laughs> she doesn't emote, throwing, man. Throwing shade she doesn't. Kristen Stewart. Yeah, she doesn't 
maybe change an expression once in a while or something, you know? Mm. Um, and then A Hidden Life was the last one that came out that week. Nope. Okay. It can stay hidden. Uh, the next week. Here we go. Yeah. Another one I actually left the theater for. Or left the theater. Left the... No, not left the theater. Probably should have the left the theater. No, <laughs> no. No. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Obviously, I went to see that. I was one... It was me and my mother went to see it, and we were the last two people, because we... I've told you this before. Stayed all the way till the end of the credits. Um, the same day that came out was... Um, cats um if cats is still in the theater there's a decent chance i'll I'll be going to see it soon but i think it's pretty really i think it's pretty much gone now i think so too i think it was oh there's i i did not hear a single no i'm sorry i did hear one good thing about this movie Idris Elba is in it because the only way I heard that was so many people going, it's such a shame that Idris Elba is in this movie. <laughs> um, I just kind of wanted to experience the shit show on the biggest screen possible. You know, maybe get a few drinks before, during, after. And just yeah. fully I mean, immerse myself in it. I mean, I heard that like there were like they had to send a patch out because like there were unfin there was unfinished CGI and stuff in this movie when it first was released. I believe that's accurate. And like I I said to you before there was a, a thing I saw where it was like what actor or actress turns you off from seeing a movie and almost every comment if it wasn't Tom Cruise almost every other comment was James Corden or Rebel Wilson. So half the people, in addition to saying those two names, added, so Cats was an immediate no-go for me. Taylor Swift would be one of mine. I could understand <laughs> that. I wouldn't mind seeing those legs on a big screen. Though, okay. I, I did see her in the cat outfit and think, yeah, you know what? That's the best she's ever looked. <laughs> Um, okay, so over the, the years, you and I have talked about it. You said, not a Star Wars fan. You liked uh, Force Awakens only in the sense that it was a J.J. movie. This one was also a J.J. movie. What What did you think? Eh. Did you read... It was just like within the last few days as of this recording. Did you read the Colin Trevorrow uh, summary of what his version would have been? I did not. Um, there were a lot of things that I liked about it. There were a few things that I didn't like, but I feel like if they could have blended the version that JJ did with the Colin Trevorrow version, it would have made for a fantastic movie. They were both missing things that the other one kind of had, but I don't think either of them would have been, I don't, I mean, it's obviously difficult to, you know, wrap up this nine film thing that's been going since 1977 
Like it, there's, you're not going to please everybody. Like that's, it's just not going to happen. But I feel like if they had mixed the two, they would have come up with a really strong movie. I just feel like too much of this one was trying to almost undo a lot of the previous one. Even the, the co-writer, JJ's co-writer, flat out said, we probably could have done another movie before this one just because of all of the stuff that happened off screen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the first the first words of the opening crawl if you remember of this one and like the opening, like five, 10 minutes had to like kind of catch you up on so much that probably could have been its own movie before this one even came. Well, you you had that issue. You had, you know, I I don't understand how with something this big, you know, that that there wasn't a clear direction like JJ. Okay. I'm going to direct the first one. Then we're going to let this other guy, this other guy being Ryan Johnson, you know, obviously accomplished in his own right, come in and, do the second one and then oh well there's going to be problems and he's going to step out and we're going to bring jj back to the third one but jj didn't like apparently what ryan johnson did so he had his vision for these three movies so he's still going to make his third movie but you got to add this things here and there which he probably would have done in that second movie uh well but, I, <laughs> like from- i assume that there would have been a hint or the the second movie would have ended with a cliffhanger of the emperor, right? I'm, it had had have. JJ had had his way, and then then well, it wouldn't I, be, it wouldn't have I been think, just so just shoehorned in there at the beginning of the third yeah. movie. I think part of the part of the issue, and I mean, you know, a lot of people, especially online, would blame Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, because. You know, uh, the guys who worked on Solo had, you know, they got fired. The guys who did Game of Thrones, the war, you know, the the whispers are that based off of the finale of Game of Thrones, they got because they they signed on to do a three movie thing and then they got fired. And um, the guy who did Rogue One got like replaced at the last minute, like with the final edit of the movie. And then with uh, Colin Trevorrow, uh, you know, whatever. And I feel like part of the problem is she may have had a vision kind of like Kevin Feige has the vision for Mm -hmm. Marvel and basically says, I'm bringing you in to make my vision much like a TV producer does. But I feel like, from how I remember it when they first announced this, it was going to be JJ was going to do the first one and then write the story for the next one and like produce it, which would, and that would have been Ryan Johnson. And then Ryan Johnson was going to write the story and produce the next one. So each one kind of had an influence over the next, but for whatever reason, Ryan Johnson didn't, do anything with episode nine they brought colin trevorrow in and then you know he for whatever reason i guess clashed with kathleen kennedy he left and then they kind of hit the panic button and brought jj back yeah. in but according that to that idea things, JJ sounds and- about as good as what the end result ended up being i mean it makes sense if you were you know you you, you take the guy who works on seven 
and he does a little bit of eight, and then you take the guy who does most of eight, and he works on a little bit of nine. It does make a little except bit when sense. they have completely differing views. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're leaving yeah. out that part. Yeah, and that's and that's part of it is you know there should have been somebody more to kind of shepherd the thing, but it's I don't know. I think they. I think a lot of the the I think they let a lot of the negative reaction of the last Jedi influence too much of Rise of Skywalker. And I watched all of them I'd say within 2 to 3 weeks over you know over the course of 2 to 3 maybe even 4 weeks before I went to see Rise of Skywalker and I I remember not being that high on last jedi when it first came out but like i watched it again on disney plus it wasn't as bad as i remembered it being like i I mean i i know you and i would have a difference of opinion there because you're not that big into star wars but i i it wasn't as bad as i remembered it being i remember like i watched it this time being like okay yeah no it was was actually a lot better than i i I agree actually built up because i mean you're right i am not uh a star wars fanboy i i have you know, I've seen the movies and I have a knowledge of the universe or whatever. Um, but when I originally went and watched The Last Jedi, I was not a fan. But when I did, I re- the only ones I didn't do a complete rewatch, but I rewatched um, episodes seven and eight prior to going to see The Rise of Skywalker. And I didn't dislike it as much as I did when I first watched it. A couple of years ago, so I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know what it is, but I wonder if that's partly just. No, and I'm not saying consciously we do this, but I wonder if it's just the the fact that there was a lot of negativity around it at the time that it almost influences you subconsciously to be like, yeah, you're, you know what, it wasn't that good of a movie. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, getting back to current subject at hand um i just i didn't i didn't dislike it i didn't love it there were parts of it which seemed nonsensical uh i guess that to me is all of star wars though uh i'm not the best person to 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 judge because i've slandered Star Wars for years prior to this most recent tr- trilogy uh, and add-on add movies, whatever you want to call them, Solo, Rogue One. Uh, right. So, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't strike me the way it does for a lot of people. If I see a bad Star Wars movie, I'm just like, well, yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. No, I mean, I get that. Like, you know, obviously everybody has their their thing and that's it's not your thing. Uh, I mean, like I said, I I liked it and you know, I think that most of the stuff, you know, I laughed at, at the funny parts. I don't really cry at movies or things like that, but you know, like I seeing Carrie Fisher was difficult. I thought they worked her in incredibly well. I saw some stuff on I think it was YouTube where they showed shots 
of where those were the deleted scenes from um, Force Awakens and how they basically took everything except her away and inserted her into into newer mm-hmm. things. And I feel like that was part of the negative aspect of the film because they literally could only work with so right. much yeah. regarding I w- her. I wouldn't say you know? they did it incredibly well. I will say they did as well as they could. Well, I meant I meant in terms of production. Right. Just how it looked. Like CGI. And just What's how that? it looked, you mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think they I think they did that incredibly that. well. Like um like yeah, like effects wise. Writing wise they're they didn't really have a lot to work right. with. You know? But like I said, overall I definitely liked it more than I disliked it. But I, I, I'm I'm I like Star Wars, so Yeah. It's to me it's like it's it's like uh, eating mushrooms, not magic mushrooms, but like regular edible mushrooms, like a yes. portabella. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, if they're prepared correctly, they can be delicious. But more often than not, I'm not a big fan of mushrooms, so I'm not going to like them no matter how you cook them. But every once in a while, you're surprised. That's- with a good mushroom. That's that's go. my comparison for Star Wars. Mushrooms. And if I eat if I eat magic <laughs> mushrooms, I'd probably enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> um all right. Finishing up uh December, we have Spies in Disguise, Little Women, nineteen seventeen, Just Mercy. Clemency and Apparition. Just Mercy still on my list. Uh, haven't gotten to it yet. I did see Little Women and 1917 here uh, just recently. Uh, Little Women, I thought... Uh, now, keep in mind, I, I go into it with uh, zero knowledge. I, I hadn't seen the previous uh, incarnations. I'd, I had never read the book Never really knew anything about it, really. Uh, it was just a, a well-made, good story. Uh, I mentioned this before. I will watch anything with Lawrence Pugh in it. Yeah, Lawrence. Ooh, can we edit that? Uh, I'll, watch, I'll watch anything with Florence Pugh in it. Uh, and so happy to see her uh, gaining more and more acclaim and nominations. Uh and yeah, just uh, overall, uh, the one thing about Little Women, it jumps in time because when they've made the film adaptations, uh, basically what they're doing is blending two books. And what Greta Gerwig did with this movie is kind of did it uh, Tarantino style where it jumps back and forth in time. And they use the same actresses and they don't really uh, do any – uh, heavy makeup or aging or de-aging effects to any of them. Nor do they okay. put any text up on the screen to let you know they're switching between timelines. Oh. So for the first hour or so until you get to realize like 
you know, to, to get to really engross yourself in the story, uh, it's a little confusing. I'm not going to lie <laughs> for, for someone with, with no knowledge. You know? And like, wait, but this happened. But then, oh, wait. So we're back in. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's it seemed like an unnecessary wrinkle to the movie going experience. Uh, they could have done that a little better, I think. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't seem very uh, user friendly, viewer friendly. Yes, and uh, I guess uh, rounding out the releases, nineteen seventeen. I don't know if you've heard anything about this movie, um, but basically, it's one continuous shot from beginning to end. Uh, War story from British soldiers during World War One. Uh, gives you anything you would ever want from a, a war movie. I'll, I'll put it that way. I'm not a big, a big war movie kind of guy, but uh, the way this is, it's executed and acted, uh, extremely well done. And yeah, I, 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 after watching it, I get why it's getting all the acclaim that it's getting and all the awards that it's already won and nominations to come. Yeah, I I haven't, I just keep seeing things and that could be, you know, uh, bought ads on, you know, like Instagram or whatever, but everything that I've, that I've been like, even the few people that I know that have seen it have all said that it was, it was very well done. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of kicking myself, too, because I had an opportunity to see it all the way back in October uh, at New York Comic Con. They hosted a screening and a Q&A with uh, Sam Mendes uh, afterwards, and I had won tickets to another event that was happening at the same time. So I had to choose between the two, and I kind of wish I had uh, seen this instead of what I ended up doing. Um, I, I personally, I didn't see any of these. Um, I, I am laughing though, because you said about little women and not knowing anything. I never read the book. Um, the first time I ever knew anything about little women, there's a reference to it in an episode of friends. Actually, it's, it's, it's little women and the shining, uh, two of the characters go back and forth between which one of them is the better book would you know the like the best book of all time right. or whatever and um the the character of joey he has to read little women while rachel has to read the shining so she gets freaked out at every little sound of course and he it takes him so long to figure out like joe is short for josephine you know and like all of these because he's just like you know it, it's talking about joe and they're just like yeah and he goes but joe's together with Oh, like he, you know, it takes him a little, <laughs> little bit to figure some stuff out. And then, um, he has this thing where he'll put the shining in the freezer when it starts to get too scary. So at one point he goes and knocks, uh, you know, on the door across the hall. And I don't remember it, which character it is, but he says he knocks on the door and he has like this really upset look on his face and he goes, whichever character he goes, so and so starting to get real sick. And they go, do you want to put the book in the freezer? And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> I have a vague memory of seeing this at some point. So, like, really like that. And, I mean, I, I, 
I have a basic idea of what it is, but like that was my introduction to what Little Women. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's extremely important and significant to uh, very great many people. Uh, I was just not one of them. Yeah. Literature is uh, um, admittedly my weak point. So, I know you you wanted to uh, discuss a little bit about uh, the Oscars. Did was there anything that we didn't really cover within the episode that you wanted to uh, talk uh, about? Somehow, the the only thing uh, I think we kind of missed. Uh, the only thing would be Parasite. Um. South Korean movie by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, it is... <laughs> I walked out of the movie, and, and it's, a, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But there are... Um, <sighs> cultural differences uh, and, and things that just don't lend themselves well to like the American uh, way of thinking. Uh, you could say the same for The Farewell, which we just kind of glanced over earlier. Uh, in The Farewell, um, you, you have uh, the, the main character, Aquafina's uh, grandmother, is has cancer and she's dying. And uh, they just don't tell her. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and that's just kind of apparently how um, medicine works. In China, so that was a, a, a little different, and it, it makes it hard. Like, like you go to jail <laughs> if you're a doctor who just hides the condition and and tells family members, but not the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, and there are similarities uh, just in, in the way certain things are done in, in Parasite. And that's why it didn't surprise me when the news came out just recently that uh, they were going to take it and adapt it into an, its own uh, Americanized version. And it's going to be a limited series on HBO. It was the least surprising thing in the world. However, with that said, uh, Parasite on its own, just accepting that it is what it is and that's how things are done uh, in South Korea – Extremely well acted, extremely well made. The story is gripping. Uh, you'll be uh, in suspense the whole time. And it's funny. It has funny moments. It has uh, dark moments, dramatic moments, suspenseful moments. And it's it's gotten a shit ton of nominations. And I, I hope it wins a lot because uh, it sounds cliche, but it is uh, one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I know you said you don't have a list, um, but is there one, whether first half of the year or second half of the year, that you would – I know it's, it has to be difficult to choose one, but is there like one or two that you would recommend above all others for anybody who's listened to both halves of this over the, the last uh, – Oh, I can months? choose one, <laughs> and it's going okay. to show my uh, inherent – uh, bias and fanboyism, and there was no better movie to me than Avengers Endgame this year. Uh, okay. 
And uh, I, I should have seen that coming, actually. In <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and I know there's uh, probably certain people out there who would roll their eyes at that, but it's the truth. Uh, but if I just had to name off some of my favorites right off the top of my head, it would be Avengers Endgame. It would be Parasite. It would be uh, Blinded by the Light. It would be uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course. And uh, I keep coming back to Midsummer. Uh, I, I went back and saw the director's cut after we had talked previously, and it still held up as much as it did before. Um, yeah, I would say those are some of my favorites, and you could mix some other ones in there. Like I said, I had mentioned earlier, Blinded by the Light, just because of these may not be technically the best movies of the year. But they're my favorites, and they're the ones that that got the the most reaction out of me. Yeah, I I mean, to me, critical. I don't want to say critical analysis because, like, realistically, that's what we do on like Lost with Friends, and even kind of what we were doing here. I I don't. It's like when it's like when I see something about like a film is projected to do this much. That means nothing. That's an arbitrary thing. You know what I mean? A person writing and I'm not saying that they aren't skilled at what they do or whatever, but a person writing up, you know, a film review or whatever, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's it's like wrestling, right? I mean, I'm going to go off on a on a little thing here, but it's just going to be very brief and you'll understand it. I don't necessarily share the same views as Dave Meltzer when it comes to what is a five-star match or show or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I don't hold his opinion in a, a certain regard, but it's just his opinion, you know? There are things that, like, I mean, we just talked about it with, with Star Wars. I val- you're, you're a friend of mine. You're a person whose opinion I value, but I'm not going to be like, oh, well, Kevin didn't like Star Wars, so I, I guess I shouldn't like it as much. No, I liked it. Like, that's what it is. You know what I mean? But I'll still, like, I take your opinion because I know you go and you see a lot of movies. And you and I, on, on a, not everything, but on certain things or a lot of things, we have similar viewpoints. And if you were to say, I think you would like this movie, I'm more likely to go, you know what? Kev gives it his stamp of approval. I'm, I might actually go see this movie. You know what I mean? Like you, I mean, and there are, you know, other people, there are some people who they may say, I don't like that movie. And I may go, you know what? I feel like I have to see this because they don't have a good sense of what's good and what's not. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I wasn't, when I asked that, you know, just for anybody listening out there, if you didn't like something or if you think like, you know, Kev even said, you know, about people rolling their eyes at Avengers, you know, that's his opinion and that's why he's on this show because i want his opinion yeah. and those uh, again i should preface this by saying those are my favorites maybe there are technically better films out there guess what i don't care and when i make a recommendation i try and re- make that recommendation for that person you know what i mean like even some of the movies that i have uh touted throughout our entire conversation I wouldn't necessarily recommend all of them to you. That doesn't mean I think you would like them. You know, the, everybody, everybody's yeah. 
different. It's completely subjective. Like I would have to sit down and talk like, well, what do you like? You know, you know, what actors do you like? What are some of your favorite movies? Like, you know, I'm sure that there are people out there like Little Women is at the top of their list this year. Like you said, your friend has Joker at the top of her list this year. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, with all of that said, uh, if anyone wants to uh, get your opinion on future things, past things, what have you, where can they find you uh, all around the internet? You can find me at 7th Power, all across all forms of social media. That's at S-E-7-E-N-T-H-P-O-W-E-R. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You can find both of us uh, and other people that we've mentioned uh, on various things. Uh, Clock Shelves on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. You could have gotten this episode early uh, if you were part of our $4 tier on Patreon. Uh, we have restructured the Patreon right now. Uh, you get Lost with Friends and Paul and all uh, early for $4. You also get access to polls. Uh, future stuff uh, we got going on is at the $8 tier, and we even have video stuff at the $15 tier. So make sure you go and check that out if you're so inclined. Um, for all other things, clockshelves.com. Once again, that's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Dot com. Um, is there anything else I'm forgetting? I don't think so. Uh, you got any final words about anything film uh, in 2019, Kev, to sign us off? No. I think I've said as many words as I possibly could right now. Let us know your favorite films. Let us know your least favorite films. And uh, let us know if there's anything that you're looking forward to in 2020. I'm sure at some point uh, we might do something similar to this. Uh, Maybe not half the year, um, but I'm sure we'll do something similar. Because this was an epically long episode. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, we'll end it here at just about the three-hour mark. Bye.